Welcome to Memphis Machine, a Muddy Pig production. I'm Jonathan Bass. And I'm Carl Casperson, and together we're looking to show off the creative sights and sounds of Memphis, Tennessee. Amen. This episode I had to convince Jonathan to to do because you thought it was you thought it was what? it was you thought think? it was outside the realm of our scope, but I I convinced you that that beer is art. You just wanted to drink <laughs> beer, it sounded like. So was, I was like, hey. I was hoping and every <laughs> I was hoping that I wasn't gonna be presumptuous, but every time they offered, we said yes, did we not? Yes. We often said, I'm not gonna say no. No. We yes, yes. Um, and making good beer is, is, is not, it's not hard and it's not easy. You got to be clean. We found that <laughs> you gotta out. You got to be clean. You got to be really clean. So this is a compilation of some of the fantastic brewing and distilling yeah, this, that, that is happening in Memphis at the off. moment. Uh, I, I know St. Louis has had a head start, um, just up the river, so to speak. Mm, but, but Memphis is 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 running hard. We got to sit down with Wiseacre, uh, Memphis old, made, Memphis made, Old Dominic. Speaking of the distillery, Metalsome, Metalsome, and this is a, a compilation of those interviews. High cotton, high cotton. High cotton. Yeah. This is a compilation of us sitting down and talking about. Uh, the, the, they don't even like the term craft brewery anymore that's right that came up i still <laughs> like the term craft brew i mean the, the the you know beer is not just for getting sloshed i know martin luther's wife was quite the brewer so no so, good. so there you go yeah uh-huh <laughs> from the mouth of the theologian over here <laughs> you know <laughs> beer's good for you in in, in responsibly yes that's, that's what all the guinness ads you see yeah say yeah that's true oh, yeah yeah but so get, this is this took place over so this episode is actually a compilation of yes. three different interviews. Yes. Uh, the first takes place at Old Dominic Distillery. Right. The second at Wiseacre. Mm-hmm. And the third at Memphis Made. Right. And they were all super gracious to host us. These are the kind of people you just want to hang out with. And we did. And we did. And, we, and it, was, it was fabulous. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Was I recording? Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Hey, welcome to Memphis Machine. Uh, this is this is a uh, an I'm I'm look, I've been looking forward to this episode for quite a time, Mr. Bass. Yeah, me too. And uh, it's just got better since we got served whiskey at 10:30 in the morning. Which is, <laughs> I, I, come to find out, I'm not opposed to at all. So no, this this no. this is great. Uh, this is uh, we are launching into uh, a part. You know, in addition to music and. Uh, other arts, we are looking at the culinary arts. This comes under culinary arts, wouldn't you say? We're going to say it does, yeah. All right, so we have represented today. We've got Skylar from Meddlesome. We have Alex from Old Dominic. Kaylee from? High Cotton. High Cotton, High Cotton of course. And Ben from Meddlesome Brewery. And, and we're going to just discuss the, the, the Memphis vibe of creating some delicious consumable goods, so Can to speak. we maybe go around and... Kind of tell us what you do. Yeah, Scholar. Where oh, you do wow, it. me first. Okay. Um, I, I work for Metalsome. I'm their on-premise sales manager. So I basically go to accounts um, and basically try to sell beer into those accounts. Um, and then also I work with a distributor that we use, which is, is Barbro. So I deal with, uh, with the reps that they have and try to make sure that everything is going well with the distribution side of it as well. Terrific. So it's a lot, a lot to do. All right. Alex. 
So I'm Alex. I'm the head distiller at Old Dominic. Um, that means I'm in charge of day-to-day production as well as product development. And I also do help out on the sales and marketing side when they need me. Yours sounds so much nicer than oh. what I was about to say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, can you tell I've had to say that a Your lot? Did she get these questions before, before now? <laughs> I know. I want to know why she got everything. hers all written. <laughs> So, my name is Kaylee. I'm the sales and distribution manager for High Cotton. Yes. We, uh, we self-distribute. So, I'm doing the day-to-day sales calling to do ordering. I also make new sales calls to talk with customers. I handle marketing. I work in the tap room occasionally, um, put events together. I'm kind of like the Swiss Army knife. I do everything but brew the beer some days. Oh and I don't goodness. pay myself, but oh, someday, yeah. someday I will. <laughs> yeah, her job sounds a lot harder than my job. Ben. Yep, uh, Ben from Metalson Brewing Company, uh, co-brewer, co-owner, co-janitor, <laughs> co-just about anything. Me and uh, me and my partner do almost everything there that you can imagine. We work the bar sometimes and have uh, had to do it for a while now. Yeah, yep. fantastic. <laughs> so, so uh, you can't you can't deny that um, the independent brewer uh, uh, microbrew uh, is, is is very sexy. Right, has yeah. been and 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 did you uh, was there a sex appeal so to speak? Uh, what was the passion that drove y'all to like? I've got to do this. This here, like, what's the story behind it? <laughs> that's a good question, man. Yeah, definitely sex appeal. Uh, I think that's definitely where I fit into this company the most. Yeah, um, sure. fat, fat guys um, with beards is definitely where yeah, we're at. I mean, there is a power um, with it, with this much physique. <laughs> um, that you have to consider, um, but I, I mean, I, I, th- I mean, I think that I don't know. I guess be, being a part of like a local, a local brand, and being a part of you know, everybody thinks, oh, you're you, you're like a you work in beer, like you you just get to get drunk all the time, and I'm like nah, it's a lot of work. I mean, it's a lot of work, man. I mean, like you got to clean, like most of it's like cleaning. You got to be awake, yeah. for this, right? Yeah. You know, and it's funny, like when I, when I first started with them, I. I uh, they're, they're, I came in and I was like, "Hey, uh, like, so where are all the employees?" And they're like, "No, you're you're the third guy. Like, you're <laughs> you're it." Like, and I was like, "Whoa, dude!" And they had me work in the brewery, and I was like, like having to really like do some work. And I was like, "Man, this sucks. Like, can I go sell? Can I go sell things now?" Like, like, no, we gotta you gotta learn learn the business. And I was like, "Yeah, but it's a lot of like me carrying heavy things and scrubbing stuff, and I don't really like it that much." And and they're like, "No, but that's like what we do, you know." And I was like, oh, I, "So I, I guess." You know, I have a huge appreciation for for what it takes to to do it, right? Um, and so I guess that's kind of sexy. I mean, it's like hard work and it's like sweating and and you know and there's you know, but but yeah, I think there's a there's an a, there's an allure to it, right? Um, you know, because you're kind of doing something that's kind of artistic, um, and you're doing something that is that's I mean, it's labor intensive and it's and like the quality of the product comes through um, with that hard work, you know? Yeah. So I guess that's sexy. You know, it's not like fireman calendar sexy, but it's, <laughs> but it's like, but it's like old school, like man working with your hands kind of sexy, I yeah. guess, you know, oh, or, yeah. or women working with their hands. Um, cause she, she knows a lot about, uh, about, I mean, about that side of the business too. Yeah. Right. She probably works like harder than most of us. It's not, it's not know? a sexy business to insiders that are in the business. There's it's a, nothing it's a sexy manual about what we do. Labor, yeah. Yeah. All that mash out point. Straight up manual labor, sweating your butt off. And lifting and cleaning all day long. Or when somebody sprays you with beer. Yeah, that was yeah. my fault. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> it did happen. I'm sorry. Unfiltered. But, but, yeah. <laughs> but could you say that there's, there's an entrepreneurial spirit? There's that, definitely that, entrepreneurial that, that, that pulled, spirit in pulled it. you all. Yeah, you know, for right? sure. 
I, I started homebrewing whenever I was like 23 years old. I'm 37 now. Yeah. And I've been in love with it since I started. It was, it's been fantastic. Really and, and how often is that story repeated of someone like, hey, I was, I just, I was interested in making beer and all of a sudden I'm like putting beer on trucks now. Like how, how it often? happens. Uh, it happens a lot. You really see that people that are really, truly passionate about it. They go on and try to figure out something to bring it to the next level. And that's the people that are really committed to it. Right now, uh, brewing is really big and you're seeing a big shift in that spirit. It's yeah. now more like. I can make money doing this. I have money. I don't really know a whole lot about beer, but I have money. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of there. And to me, it's a little bit almost off-putting to see some of that. Just I want the passion to be behind it for everybody that's into it. Right on. Yeah, so if I can go off that. like, So uh, there, there seems to be, in the past 15 to 20 years, sort of a, a craft beer Renaissance, or I don't even know really if you can if you can call that in, in the entire country, but really specifically in the past decade mm -hmm. in the South, mm -hmm. you know. So I mean, any thoughts as to why that is? You know, we can just address the South. I think it's access uh, to the culture. It's spreading. Mm -hmm. It's also there are more and more people willing to go out and try these crazy things. We're no longer just brewing, you know, a basic pilsner or a pale ale. We're doing these adjuncts. We're we're creating wild flavors. We have hemp beers now which is insane, yeah. um, seeing all that stuff start to come out of California and other places are trying it. It's just, it's the acceptance in this culture that we can do this and try, and sometimes we have a failed beer. Um, and it doesn't go great, but you get the feedback and you keep going because people want to see you succeed. And I mean, the most important thing is they want to drink. Yeah, they want to keep drinking. The consumer has evolved yeah. so much, not it just in beer, fun. we see it in spirits as well, to where they don't just have their one brand that they're loyal to anymore. Sure, they probably still buy that brand, but they're perfectly fine going to the six different breweries that are in their city and trying anything and everything that they put on tap. Um, and we, like I said, we see it with spirits. They, you know, yeah, they have their go-to bourbon, but the moment a new bourbon hits the shelf, as long as it's, you know, affordable for them, they have no problem buying it and giving yeah. it a try. It's great. So uh, b between spirits and beer, do you consider yourselves uh, uh, brothers in arms or kissing cousins or what, like how, is it, I guess obviously, obviously the laws of the state kind of delineate things, but how, 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 how do you see that? It's the kissing South. Cousins. I think kissing yeah. cousins oh, dude, is probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, we're, we're all pretty close, honestly. Um, you know, it, we're, we're friends with, everybody in town all the breweries the distilleries we all know each other yeah we lean on each other for things you know it's it's definitely a, a close-knit group of uh people yeah for sure yeah we all have competition a little bit because we all want to you know individually succeed and do our thing and have a good taproom day but at the end of the day if only one of us is succeeding and the rest aren't doing well yeah. that's not creating the culture it's not going to get people mm. out to do that sort of thing so we have to be supportive we also run into things um our, i think our biggest issue is always water so dealing with the aquifer and oh, all wow. that and if they you know they start messing with that that messes with oh what my we goodness do. yeah like yeah. fracking would be a bad thing right? yeah. Yeah. horrible yeah. thing so yeah. we're really lucky be we, fracking terrible. we have great water sitting on the natural aquifer right. i'm from wyoming where we have to charcoal filter our water like mad wow. just to put it into tap systems yeah. now, not is, let alone you know brewing right is that, is that do you think that's bringing brewers and distillers or to, to this area i mean just the the allure of the water i, I, I mean we have great the, water that is the water is fantastic yeah. i think the biggest alert of people coming into memphis to brew or distill or anything else is the lack of things that are here 
If you look at cities this size across the country, some of them, especially this size, I have 30 breweries. Oh, wow. Mm. You know, we have seven. Like seven and a half, basically. Yeah. Yeah. How how, how does it compare to St. Louis? Uh, St. Louis has way more than we do. Uh Yeah, way more breweries than we do. It's like one popping up every other day. Yeah. It's a great, great thing. We need a decent amount of breweries, craft distilleries, and anything that we can get because that in turn brings people from out of town that gets people out and about and yeah, really yeah. kind of helps all of us. It really does. Yeah, there's there's competition like Kaylee said, but it's it's friendly competition. That's awesome. Yeah. Competition yeah. breeds quality to me. It you does. know, the more I mean and so I like we our goal is to brew the best beer we can for the city of Memphis. And we want high cotton we want all these other brands to brew really good good beer for memphis we want her to make really good spirits for memphis yeah um and that to me makes this place a this place this is a, becomes a destination because they know it's gonna be good you know when i'm traveling i might pick this city to come and spend my money at because i know that i can get i, I have six of the best breweries in this in the country that's what i want you know ultimately is to have people want to come here to to try the products that we're creating, um, so if she doesn't do well, that doesn't that doesn't do very that doesn't help that grow that doesn't help that vibe yeah. grow in, in other places. Um, so we want to be proud of the product that we're we're creating, but we want to bring other people from outside who don't necessarily have as much respect, you know, that because where I come from, we have the best beer, but I want them to come here and drink amazing beer and go home mm. and go man i went to memphis and you know i went to six breweries and it was all incredible i went down to this place in downtown and had this amazing bourbon or had this amazing vodka and that's that is going to help our city grow ultimately that's great um, you know we're going to solve problems through beer and, and liquor oh yeah <laughs> of course i, I yeah. will say personally on like a more selfish note and it's the elephant in the room i need other breweries so i can go drink at them i need a distillery so. i go to every yeah. single brewery in town equally because they all serve up different beer and i'm so glad that i can go and have that variety when there's only one i'm stuck with that and that's it yep. so that's as a consumer i just i love the variety i, I love that have. that that tracks along well with like the music scene as well you know it's, it's like, yep. like yeah yeah we're, we're competing for gigs but if, if there's a healthy batch of, of talented, good-sounding bands and musicians, that, that, that's a draw, and that helps continue and just kind of the yeast yeah. of, of it, you know? Yeah, if you're not hiring yeah. each other, too. I, mean, I, 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 I have a little testimony as to how I discovered craft beer. I, I grew up in Southern California, and my dad uh, was a longtime drinker of, um, well, a beer that sounds like uh, uh, Hoor's. Yeah. Sounds like it. Sounds yeah. like whores. Yeah. yeah. Whores. Did you say whores or whores? Whores. 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 Sounds like whores. Like. Okay. Um, gotcha. Uh, and and, and I, <laughs> I remember being a kid. My dad's like, "You want to try a beer?" And I was like, "Yeah." And he didn't sound like that at all. But um, I tried a sip and I thought, "Wow, I never want to drink that again." Thanks. And, uh, <laughs> wow. and, and and I went through high school and it was just like, "Yeah, I'm not a beer guy." Just never. It became branded like, I go to parties, Carly want a beer. I'm like, yeah, I'm not really a beer guy. I get to my 20s. I moved to St. Louis. It's, it's like 19. I'm going to date myself now. But it's 1990, 91. Schlafly had just opened. And I got a little duo gig there with a great guitarist, Dave Black. And, um, and I'm looking at the menu. And I'm just like, what? what is, like, what's an oat? You can make beer with oatmeal? Like, I had, I had, no, I had no, like, what's an oat? And the, and, and the bartender's looking at me like, like I'm having some kind of seizure or something. You know? and, and he said, just shut up here. Try this. And, and, and it was an oatmeal stout. In, in my brain, like the synapses, like it was like this Monty Python moment of just like exploding, like oh my, it was it was fantastic. 
Yeah. yeah, I was a changed. I was a changed man yeah. on the spot. Um, did you all have like similar experiences? Like, 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 this, the, you talk about the culture, the draw of of, of the uh, uh, independent brewer, the micro, the craft brewing uh, vibe, the kind of going against the man of the giant, giant corporate uh, guys. Uh, how, how how do you see that? How, how do you visualize that? How how do you see yourselves? No, I mean you're you're pretty well on. We we are all independent owned and operated breweries and you're going against corporations that keep buying, Mm. you know, um, ABM Bev has, you know, decided, well, we could make craft beer and nobody's going to buy it because of the name that's behind it. So we're just going to buy every craft brewery that we can. And we're going to make it work with that because you're going to buy it. You've already been buying it. It's been around for 15 years. Wow. And uh, that's that's a for real fight and struggle. I, I mean, mean, but is, is is that a hope for a, an owner? Um, I mean, would that, would, that, would that be like? There's, you know, it's it's hard to tell the Brinks truck no when it's backing up to the door. <laughs> really, yeah. I mean, because uh-huh. uh, one of the companies out in California sold for two billion dollars. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know that you didn't put that money into it. You put in way less than that, and now here, fifteen years later, you got somebody that's saying, "I'm going to write you a check." Yeah. for this amount and that's a lot of zeros yeah you know and if you're 50 years old and a couple of partners on it and you can split that up and everybody goes home and doesn't have to worry about anything so it's, it's a tough thing to say no to you um i know we've we've kind of positioned ourselves where something like that's not it's not even possible <laughs> we, we will never make enough beer out of our location to have any blip on anybody's radar <laughs> You know, we'll we'll always be a small brewery. We've uh, we've said it for years that if if we make beer that never leaves Memphis, we're just as happy doing that. Wow, yeah. and that's but, where we sit because we self distribute. So mm-hmm. we literally stay in Shelby County. That's it. Yeah. And they're a bigger blip of the non blips than we are <laughs> in terms of brewing size and, and how far they've been able to expand. Because they do. I mean, they have the benefit of AS Barbro, but that doesn't mean they're doing anything different than we are. Yeah. The the difference is is they have somebody who can go out and do the delivering. Which allows Skylar to focus more on sales, podcasts, uh, and podcasts, podcasts, and, you know, sitting there yeah. royally in that chair. <laughs> but uh, it, and for me, I the only difference between what Skylar and I do is I have to go in and also do my daily orders. So independent is it's scary, but it's rewarding. Yeah. Um, and some days you walk out of there and you have your head down like why did I get into this but other days you're really happy you get out of a big event or you have a great batch that goes through and it sells quickly so it's it's just taking that and the the thing dealing with like NBEV buying up everybody it's a blessing and it's a curse so I look at it in that I'm experiencing breweries I never was going to get to and it gets to be distributed out but yep. it's a curse for them because when they do get bought up their expectation to produce gets so high oh, wow. that the yeah. quality behind their product suffers. So I feel bad for them because you'll see a change. I think my um, my biggest complaint is uh, 312 from Goose Island. Oh, yeah. I loved that beer when it was original. But once they got bought up and they got distributed, I remember that, yeah. it's totally different. It's wow. not the same beer because they are rushing to constantly produce it because it's wow. bottled, it's distributed, kegs, everything. So it, it can go either way, but being independent... Um, well, now you say your self distribution and and this is going to reveal my ignorance, but the the, the three tiered system and all that has something changed, or am I thinking about something wrong? Mm-mm, no, so the, we are limited to the county. We can okay. only sell in right. Shelby County, and 
basically we we go in, we do the sales, we bring the beer in, we take it out, we clean our own lines. So right now we're not having to deal with the middleman, mm-hmm. kind of paying into that and having them, you know, and the, the taxes that come with that. Mm. Someday we're going to have to because people are pushing. Uh, Mississippi's constantly knocking on our door, complaining, mm-hmm. and they want us there. And we've moved, we can, so we've moved into Kroger's. Right. And more and more Kroger's are starting to reach out because uh, Mississippi, Western Arkansas, they don't have the variety mm-hmm. on top of, you know, dry yeah. counties in Arkansas. Right. The Bless their souls. I don't know <laughs> how they do it. <laughs> I can never live in Arkansas. Pretty, but I can't live there. But it's, you know, it's difficult and it's a hard decision to make. But again, it's still rewarding because we are, um, our owner, Ryan, always talks about relativity. And we're trying to stay as relative as possible. And Memphis for us is still the most relative market and it's still thriving and asking for more. So we're, yeah. we're still going to do that for as long as we can, mm-hmm. but there will come a day where, yeah, we're going to go with a distributor, but we're still just like these guys. We're going to be on them every single day, wondering where our product's going. How are they yeah, handling right. it? Um, Cause I think it's, just it's a big a, crucial part. It's a different, just a different headache. But you still have, you still have issues that you have to overcome and you have to communicate, uh, and you have to work together, and she. And it, it's just a different type of headache. I mean, you know what I mean? The, yeah. The issues are still there. Um, it's just they're just a little bit different. Well, with you know? a distributor, you have to trust that they're going to treat your brand yeah. the way you want it to be treated yeah. and present it to um, the end consumer yeah. how you hope that they do. Yeah. And also, as you grow, it's even harder to do that because you know we're in New York and California now. Oh wow! We, yeah, you yeah. never see I have, it. Yeah, I have no FaceTime at all with our distributors out there. Oh wow! Um, yeah, and to send any of us out there, it, a plane ticket alone is going to cost a couple hundred dollars. So, if you're small, that's not really doable. Yeah. So, so Alex, b- being that you know the the craft brew movement is is has inertia, it's going. How how, how unique is a distillery, uh, an independent distillery popping up? Like what? I mean, Tennessee's seen a lot. Um, in Tennessee's last... kind of famous for. Well, and because the laws finally changed, when was that? It was 2009, 2010. Before that, you could only distill in three counties. And then they finally changed it, so it opened it up to, I believe, the entire state. So now we're up to 40-some distilleries in the state of Tennessee. Um, But it is not nearly as common, and you don't see them pop up quite as quickly as the breweries because if you're trying to make whiskey, you need to have um, a pretty good financial plan because... You're not sending that whiskey out for two, three, four, five right, years. Right. So you're yeah. buying incredibly expensive equipment, <laughs> and you're not sending product out the door <laughs> for you're years. You're kind of sitting on this thing for a while, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, craft craft breweries have kind of declined um, as far as the number that are opening up. Craft distilleries are on the rise. Huh? It's a new. It's everything trends in different ways. You know, the 80s were really big for craft beer, and the 90s was a huge tank. And then bourbon now, yeah, and bourbon came in then and started taking over a lot. Now we're seeing the the breweries have reached a fairly good peak and starting to level off. And now you see craft distilleries on a spike and rise. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird market. Um, A lot of millennials are not really into craft beer. They're more into craft cocktails and Mm -hmm. things like that. So watching the carbs. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Or they want like you know saffron and uh, you know 
fresh avocado things, skin things or whatever on there. Well yeah, there. whatever they do, like, and then they muddle it up and they turn it into a drink. I guess. I, you know, yeah. But see, in the spirits world, we see even more trends than just oh, beer's big and then spirits are big. Mm-hmm. Within the spirits world, you then have bourbon, you have rye, you have scotch, you have vodka, you have gin, you have brandy, which is starting to have a heyday. Oh yeah. And so within our just big bubble, you have all these smaller bubbles and. As a small distillery, you're trying to predict what the next big bubble is going to be. Wow. If you're chasing a trend, you're yeah. already behind. Yeah, you're, yeah. if it's already on the shelf, you yep. need to move on to the next thing. So speaking of trends, Kaylee mentioned that you used the word adjunct for, for different mm-hmm. types of uh, creative beers, right? Yeah. Uh, that, that was cool. I like, I, it's I a big I, word. I haven't it, heard it, that. It was a big word was today. Is, is that, it is word of the day. Yeah. The word of the day, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, so like, um, I mean, uh, I, I've heard that brewing beer is kind of like making tea. In, in it's kind so, of like making oatmeal, Making really. oatmeal? I mean, and like, then you want to separate your mushy water from your oats. So how, <laughs> that's, that's really what it is. Yeah, like, so, how, so like how, how creative, like how, how much of a, a, of a threshold are, are you guys pushing? Or like what, is it just your imagination? Or do you kind of have staples, you know, and then you try and, how, how, how does that, how do you navigate? I no, I think we all have our staples that we work yeah. with. And, you know, you, you do things and you kind of regret doing it because now you're stuck doing it forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Once somebody like likes every, something. Every yeah. brewery in town right. has that one beer. It's like, yep, it's time to brew that again. Didn't uh, we brew that yesterday? Damn it. Yep, yeah. we did. It's time to brew it again. But we, we all have that. And then uh, creativity. I mean, you can get as creative as you want. Um, I've seen guys add marshmallows to beer, cereal, Fruits, you know, I mean, there's a crazy number of things. There's a brewery back near my hometown. I actually have the hoodie on. They uh, they add dirt, sticks, roots, <laughs> leaves, mushrooms. That's like crazy. That, that things. sounds like Scotch, Tree like bark. Pete, Pete Moss or something, yeah. right? Like they do a lot of really crazy things. They're a very like traditional farmhouse brewery. They're whatever's in season is what you're gonna get in your beer. Wow. Yeah, but there are places that just do fresh stuff, so you never know. Mm-hmm. There's no consistency behind what they're going to put out. There's um, you might not even get one it in Wichita that that's what they do. It's like whatever is the seasonal fruit, that's what you're going to get, and it may not. They may not have had a good yield that year, so they go to something else. Um, I've heard of a dist- um, not a distillery, but a brewery in Philadelphia. It was a couple of years ago. They did a barrel aging project where they put um, speakers around all their barrel age and played Beastie Boys. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> There's a distillery in Kentucky that actually plays rock music to their brandy yeah. all the time, and it, I mean, they, it's like a yeast rave. They say right? it helps. I mean, yeah. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, I think the, the idea is actually yeah, like the vibration has something it's to do with the, the liquid moving oh, wow. in the wood, agitating the liquid, almost like a ultra what is it, ultrasonic vibration. Right, Buffalo yeah. Trace did a bunch of uh, yeah. experiments, aging products yeah. under, like cool. UV light or ultrasonic vibrations of these frequencies. And it's got to have a really good bass. It's right. got to nice because yeah. it, it's it's got to have a vibration because your barrels are what you want them to contract and expand. You're allowing that oxidation. You're allowing it to get in there. We're doing a micro a Flanders Red right now with that we put a bunch of fruit in, and our brewery has been a thousand different temperatures over the last eighteen months. Ugh. So everything that's in there has just it's done weird stuff, and that's the entire point behind it. But it's also the risk that you you take yeah. when you're making these crazy beers, especially if you're doing anything a long term sour. Kettle sours are tricky, but they're a little easier to deal with when you instead of putting something in a barrel and hiding it in the back corner praying to god it doesn't do anything to the rest of your your product <laughs> in yeah. the brew house when, yeah, once you put something in a barrel for, it's gone oh. yeah, there's potential you for have failure no yeah. uh-uh. active god you know? yeah yeah 
you have a lot of product that you just could you you just throw away. Oh, you know what I mean. Yeah, there's like, a lot uh, of sour breweries that like dump two <sighs> two barrels out of you know every ten. Yeah, it's it's an uncontrollable product. It really is. Wow. I had no idea. And you get some cool stuff. I mean, you definitely yeah. get some cool stuff, but you get some really bad stuff too. You know what I mean? And like, and to me, to me, there's you know, you have. I think the consumer is you have people. You have a limited amount of people who are willing to go outside of the box that, that much. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about volume. Sometimes traditional style and sometimes more approachable, more palatable product is going to sell probably more of it. And you have you have a, a smaller percentage of people who are looking for that crazy crazy stuff so for us it's about kind of balancing between like our art man and our <laughs> and like you know like art like all you know and and what consumers want yeah you know i mean ultimately right. it's about selling a, a product i mean it is a business and it's not just like hanging out like drinking beer and and like trying new stuff we want to make something that people want to drink so it's sometimes it is about making things that people want but then also kind of being relevant like she said and, and brewing things that are kind of outside of the box and those are your more risky things you know because some people just hate it and then you don't sell any of it you know yeah, <laughs> and then you spend no, a bunch I, of money to make something boy. that is trash yeah I mean, so so like you've got your original you got your original composition then you got your mustang sally's it, right right is that, is that, <laughs> yeah, you, is got that brown kinda, you got your brown eyed girls like, ah, i guess i did write that yeah you want to take a break real quick grab a water oh, yeah, that's, that's cool sure. yeah, that's yeah. cool so I was like, man, I'm stuck. I can't get water. <laughs> <laughs> you are stuck. I like it. I already stole oh, one. Great, thank you. Oh, thank you so much, sir. Boy, this, that is just delicious, Alex. Oh, my gosh. Honestly, everyone's welcome to more. I don't... What? What? All right, I'm talking. I, I'm yeah. Um, that's why I put the bottle on the table. I didn't hide it. I, uh, <laughs> I was very hungover when I walked to the door. I'm very okay right now. <laughs> Glad I could help. All, <laughs> all better. All better. Oh, you know, get back on the horse. 100% bourbon. I'll do that. Anybody else? Yeah. Somebody else to say. Yeah, you know what? You know. We'll let this girl drink alone. Take a puff and pass it down. There you go. <laughs> there you go. That, that definitely it helps. helps. I wasn't going to say this, but now, yes, the, the two serum. Well, I like the vanilla nose on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do the number four char, so you always get the... The nice sweet notes, yeah. the vanilla, the toffee. Mm. I just really like the smooth. What are the char it. levels? How many are there? Technically, the traditional ones are four, but who was it? it may have been Buffalo Trace. Ended up uh, going to a number seven. I was gonna say I they wanted to say like they may, eight. They may have gone even higher than that, to where it made me think that it couldn't be anything but just chocolate. Yeah. The barrel is gone. <laughs> All right, should we jump back in real quick? Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I, just, I just want to hold this for a while. No, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> this makes me happy. No, no. Yeah, we're friends now. I'm talking about the whiskey. You and I have always been friends. It's about me and the whiskey bottle, but. <laughs> You gotta come out drinking with me more often, because that's that's primarily what I drink, and that's what I drank in, in high school. I wasn't a beer drinker either. Oh, wow. I was I was grain alcohol and whiskey. Ooh, I was drinking Everclear. You weren't playing around. Like, Not oh, playing around. Stupid high proof Ooh, and couldn't what? start. Yeah, I did that too, and I was pretty sure I was gonna die, so oh, I stopped God. doing hey, that. Hey, it kept me warm when we had to walk home from Lovejoys. I'm yes, just saying. Yes. <laughs> I'm just disappointed they took all the the energy drink out of Four Loco. That's my my biggest <laughs> regret in life. I think to see that. 
that great brand just crumble you know, and give up on what they're I good at. You know, open can of the original four loco. <laughs> I refused to drink I it. I, I bought a watermelon one one time um, and I cracked it, it open, took one sip, it, like, and it was so blue. bad. I poured it out yeah, in my driveway, <laughs> and it stained the concrete in my driveway for over six months. Yeah, I don't know. I will never drink that again. It's like an alien getting cut open. Yeah, man. I just don't know what I don't. I don't know what it is about. I guess my brain being really tired and wanting to go to sleep, but my body really being tiny. like rage, rage. <laughs> like there's something about that that like oh. is really you know it's really attractive to me. I guess I just you know. <laughs> so we we may or may not open this episode with the rage. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> oh, what it is about the, the combination of those two things that I like so much. But hey, uh, it's alluring. So jumping back into it, uh, I, I do want to. Uh, Big thanks to Alex for hosting our, our, our session today oh, at, at, at the course. Old Dominic here. And, and it just so happens we are sampling Hewling Station. Yes. Did I wonderful. say that right? Not yes, Hauling. It's, it's Hewling. It's Hewling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's delightful. Can, can you just uh, tell us a little bit about this, uh, this magic in our glass? Yeah, so this is a four-year-old, uh, what we call a high-rye bourbon. So it's 52% corn and 44% rye. Um, so it's towing the line of being a, a rye whiskey. Um, and we do bottle it at 100 proof. I made that decision because I like cocktails. Yeah. And, but at the same time, I like to taste my bourbon when I'm drinking a cocktail. If you start at a low proof, you're going to lose all of that bourbon characteristic once you start adding, you know, soda to it, orange, anything to it. So higher proof, it's going to stand up to anything you want to do to it. Um, but fortunately, even at 100 proof, it's still pretty smooth. So how much yeah, science are, are you messing with and how much Hogwarts is, is happening? It's all black magic. It's all black, right? <laughs> it's, all yeah. black. it's all dark arts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah man. I mean, it's it's like I said earlier, once you put something in a, a barrel, it all it's bets are own. off. You yeah. have no control over it, um, especially because we, we don't do climate control for our aging. We just let nature do its thing. And oh, wow. so when you sit on it for four years, you really don't know what's going to come out of that barrel. Yeah. Um, but fortunately, we were lucky that these barrels turned out pretty well at four. Uh, so. How much is left? <laughs> enough. <laughs> like enough. The bottle enough. in front of us, <laughs> or <laughs> in, in the, in. so let's. Uh, uh, let, if, if some, you know, I, I want to ask, like, if someone listening to this is like, you know, I've always wanted to jump into this. Like, what, what, what are your, what are your warnings, and what are your, uh, your, your invitations to to this realm you- of, of brewing and distilling? I be, think be prepared for long days. That's long, for sure. Long yeah. days, frustrations. You're going to have a lot of failures, um, but by all means, try stuff out. Read about it. Do weird things. Uh, I think the biggest thing that we can all say among all of us is clean, really, really clean. Oh, that is a huge deal. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? It's seventy-five percent of our job is cleaning. Like it's nobody tells you that. When you're like, oh yeah, I brew beer, and they're That's like, that's why oh, that I went mean. into distilling. It doesn't matter as much. Yeah. <laughs> it's still got to be clean. It's still got to be somewhat clean, but not like us. Yeah, no, we we could barely, like, only half-ass sanitize something, and that's going to create a byproduct. It's going to oh, create an off-flavor yeah. that we don't want that can infect an entire beer and screw something up. And so, yeah, it's brewing is like 75% cleaning, 20% mashing out, 5% maybe brewing one day, and maybe the rest drinking. If you can get yeah. around to that part, there's <laughs> a lot of waiting. Way. Actually, I mean that's something I noticed was mm-hmm. just it's Hurry like yeah, we work wait. really, really hard for like 15 hours, and then it's like, what are we doing tomorrow? 
oh, we're just waiting for this beer to, you know what I mean? Like, you know, we're gonna, there's, there's like these really huge days of just work, and then there's other days where you're kind of like, well, what, are, what is, what, what's, what's next, you know? Yeah. But you kind of, you really have to kind of let the yeast do its thing, and you kind of have to let the, let it, let it, you know, fully actualize yeah. or whatever, you know? Um, and I think that's kind of neat too, just the, the kind of the peaks and valleys of, of what's going on. You At know. least we can try our stuff within two to three weeks. Yeah. They kind of have to wait. wait years. Oh. This is why I don't do... She can try yeah, it. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of it. We do, we do try our whiskeys every three months-ish, somewhere in that ballpark. But it's still, when you taste a one-year-old whiskey, it's it's not going to tell you what it's going to be in four yeah, years. Yeah, I mean, what, yeah. what is it like approaching investors you know, for a distillery? <laughs> like... <laughs> Hey. <laughs> yeah, this is <laughs> hey, fortunately my my uh, owners are very patient. Yeah, right. Um, That's great. They they, they, they knew mean, what they yeah. signed up for, sure. I yeah. think. Yeah. And so they're fortunately are, are saying take your time. When you say it's ready, it's ready. And, and you mentioned the the gear's not cheap. You just don't go down the lows and 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 fit some pipes together and go at it. So what, I mean, there's... Yeah, you're lucky if you can find anything at Lowe's except like a hose clamp. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. You know, Actually, uh, you get a, a chance sweetie. to come down here. Yeah. And the, this sweetie. place is beautiful. Oh, I mean, it's, oh, it's absolutely no, gorgeous just, for anybody oh, yeah, listening yeah. who can't see. It, 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 remind, it reminded me of like 20,000 leagues under the sea. It always, always has some kind of nautical... I think all the small little round windows do that to me. Yeah. It's like crazy yeah. steampunk kind of... Yeah, like. right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so it's all handmade, right? I mean, it's yes. like yeah, all of our equipment we got from Vendum in Louisville, and they do everything for the most part by hand. Still, yeah. gosh, oh, pretty yeah. much all all distilling and brewing equipment's handmade. Mm-hmm. And that, that's wow. your that's that's your major cost of investment, right? Just yeah, just to get the gear, cost of yeah. it for sure. Uh, apart from trying to find a space and you know, local laws, and all, I mean all the all the hoops, right? Local laws really aren't too bad. I yeah. mean, it, it's it's legal work. It's not anything crazy. It, Build out and equipment. That's where all the money goes. Yeah. Yeah. Any advice to anybody that's wanting to open, make sure you have plenty of money. It's not a cheap <laughs> venture to get into. Right. Stuff breaks. You know, you're talking a million plus dollars to get into a brewery or distillery on any kind of scale, really. I mean, yeah. unless you're talking, oh, we're making 60 gallons of beer. Okay. You can probably do that for a lot less. Yeah. But if you really want to take care of the city and do things, you're going to have that. And you need money. To back it whenever things go south you have you have grain and hops to order you have a ton of stuff to do you know you've got product that you could possibly have to buy back you have keg deposits that you have to pay for oh yeah, yeah. there's a lot of things that really have to go back and forth so if you come in undercapitalized it's going to be a bad deal it's going to be a real bad deal can I brag on this guy for just a second? Please do. Um, that was, was something that I that I just you know because I, I wasn't there at the the, the inception of it. Um, I, I came a, a little bit later, but like the, they they were having trouble they were having trouble finding a company to install a lot of their brewing equipment and doing it do it properly. And so they they actually did all that themselves. Mm. They went in and installed they they installed everything. Um, the, the tap room they did a lot of the work and the design of it. Um, so they put a lot of the work into actually physically making that brewery capable of doing what it's doing um and i would say that's that's another aspect of it that people underestimate is how much not just how much the equipment costs but is it installed correctly is it mm. operating correctly i mean we had a pump that went out and homeboy over here went and got tools and he fixed that pump you know and he got that pump up and running ordered another pump i mean he put the work into it the physical labor into that to make sure that that thing was operational for the day um, with like minimal product loss, and that's that's huge. 
wow. um, being able to fix the toilet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, when it breaks, I mean, you think having to call a plumber versus having him just go in there and get to work. Yeah, um, if you're, if you're yeah. going to be in any place like this, you better you better know how to fix every piece of equipment in the building. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, that's so he truly knows every it. single piece. He truly knows that, that stuff like top to bottom. If a know? pump yeah. goes out in the middle of an operation, everything stops. Right, everything stops. Yeah. Who? What do you do? You get on the phone and try to find pump rebuilders <laughs> in town. Hey, we got this. This is yeah. going on right now. I need you here right now. Yeah. <laughs> no. Like, no, who, what do you do? Fast. No. Yeah. Yeah. So you you really need to be able to fix every single piece of equipment that could possibly fail in a oh, right. yeah and it's extraordinary i mean to watch you know to watch somebody just be like I, I can do that immediately and you're going i can't i mean you know what i mean like i'm not fixing that you know like i can, well, I can you, you have to know what you're working with because paul uh he can be standing on the other side of the rear head brewer and he'll immediately know something's wrong. He knows every click, you hit the sounds. sounds or, like yeah. he yeah. knows it. it. He knows it better than his children, I think. Okay. And silence, something, silence I, in the building is the worst sound. It's oh terrifying. yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, so I noticed, you know, if you see uh, uh, exposed uh, equipment rooms at breweries, a lot of stainless steel, right? Yep. And if you notice here, Alex, it's beautiful copper. What, what is, is that intentional or is that just a, a so everything look? prior to the stills is stainless steel just like what you would expect to see in a brewery yeah and then everything past fermentation turns into we transfer into copper because one of the natural byproducts of our fermentation is going to be sulfur and sulfur and copper interact beautifully wow and it removes that sulfur um, wow hmm. i mean so, the, yeah. the, so the, the old Copper pot stills, right? Like yeah, scotch or like you and, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just the stereotypical. And I'm, like I'm Warner sure Brothers they did not kind of. use copper because of that to no. begin with. It, it, was, it was It was a soft metal it and it was easier. easy to work with. Yeah. But, but and then they find learned. Out, it yeah. has wow. a very yeah. specific purpose. That's remarkable. In modern distilling, yeah. That is so yeah. cool. So if, if each of you had to say, I don't know how to put this without sounding cheesy, so I guess <laughs> I can just sound cheesy. Do um, it. <laughs> What separates you from not necessarily each other, but what's your uh, your special sauce? Your uh, oh. <laughs> your, your uh, you know your mission statement, or you know what makes you you as far as. I mean, besides me being really, really good looking. Yes. Just checking. Tyler has a face for radio, so this is yeah. <laughs> bring that back around to like what know. makes metal some metal some what you know what you know your really. We kind of looked at it as the the name really says it all. We are metalsome. We really are. Um, you know, from the time that I started home brewing and my partner started home brewing. It was a lot of really dated information that we were going off of. I was reading homebrew books where the dude was wearing bell bottoms. Nice. It's like, this cannot be relevant. There is no way this is relevant to what I'm doing now. Um, so it was a lot of like dispelling bad, old, dated information. Mm -hmm. What happens if I don't do what this book says? What if I cut the time in half? Or what if I change where I'm going to add the hops at? Or what if I mill my grain finer than what they say like what happens so mm -hmm. it was a lot of meddling with the process um we also kind of meddle with the market i mean memphis had five breweries and it was completely content having five breweries here we come to town as a disruptor and meddle in the market now so we're we're meddlesome through and through really i mean that's kind of what what makes us um our our brew days consist of a lot of things that we've done through the years um 
I, I know that we're some of the probably the only brewery in town that does 30 minute mashes that uses on-demand hot water for everything that reclaims 100% of their water from a brew day like we're the only guys in town doing that and I can say that to a T I know that for yeah. a fact yeah so it's it's uh it's definitely something to get in there and do just what the name is metal that's cool Hey, real quick, Memphis Machine would like to thank Snakebite for their sponsorship of the podcast. Snakebite Made in America makes the best keychain, beer, bottle opener, and folding fork church key along with their excellent professional bartending tool, the Mamba. You can check out Snakebite at www.snakebiteco. That's snakebiteco.com. Um, we're, we're doing things... Not that anybody's not doing traditional products and, and working with traditional recipes, but we're we're a little more foundational in some of that. So if you look at our extra special bitter, our Scottish ale, mm. um, they are down to the core, like the traditional recipe, and they're very they're very proud of that, and they like to stick with that. And choosing high cotton, all the owners are are from Memphis, and so they they take stock in the fact that their their grandfathers used to talk about being high in cotton and spreading the prosperity and that that wealth in in the way of we like to sit around and drink. When I walked in the doors uh, almost four years ago, that was the whole point. The owner saw a Wyoming driver's license and says, hey, let's go sit in the back and drink. And at the time, <laughs> there was nothing in this back area, and we only had a handful of fermenters and, um, and our little seven-barrel the, the seven brew system that we're still working off of. Um, and ours is older. Ours has a lot of kinks and things that have been replaced and fixed and... You know, there might be some duct tape here or there, <laughs> you know, marking handles to still remind us, pull this now, do this later, <laughs> um, you know, little things like that. But um, I think just for us, uh, we have been around just a little bit longer. It's kind of Weizsäcker, we came out, then there was um, Memphis Made Brewing came out around the same time as us. Uh, Ghost River has been here for 10 years, mm-hmm. but they were, they were foundationally a little different. They opened up as a production brewery. They were putting beer out, selling it um, directly to the market. And at the, and 10 years, or well, what, it's 11, 12 years ago, that's all Memphis knew. It was Ghost River, Bud Light, and Coors Light. Six, yeah. years, ago, six years ago, there was only one brewery. Yeah. So wow. yeah. It's, it's insane. And so Ghost River is actually behind the rest of us. They only just opened up a tap room because they didn't realize, and there wasn't a market at the time. That, that was another one of those cultural I things think, that uh, came up. I think the laws also didn't really uh, allow it. it was a big thing whenever mm-hmm. they opened. Huh. But yeah. we well we had been running for three years with the tap room before mm-hmm. they finally Oh yeah, they were they were definitely behind. Before they put theirs in, mm-hmm. but and it, it took it took some finagling. Um it, it took a lot of all the breweries having to get together, talk about this and, and push for them to give us so we have twelve hundred square feet spaces. That is our or give or take. I mean there's gonna right. be some square footage in there that we're allowed to operate in without having to have food but allows people to come in and do tastings and they can purchase beer. That was the biggest thing is we still wanted to be able to recuperate some of our costs on this beer because there's other breweries where you have to go to. It's uh, There's a place in Georgia um, at Terrapin where you go in and you have to purchase a tour and a beer glass and they can then fill your glass up so you can drink ah, beer. Yeah. They can't mm-hmm. directly sell you a pint. Um, so it, it, you know, but overall for us, it's just kind of playing with that traditional and... Um, Really just staying through that that idea of being high in cotton and we just we really like drinking and, and sharing that with everybody. That's I think our biggest mission. <laughs> That's great. I have to echo the sharing. That's definitely what old Dominic wants to do is we want to represent Memphis, hopefully 
you know, well here in town, but also outside of, outside of Memphis, um, and just share what Memphis is, share our spirits. We definitely started off probably a little more traditional just because I think whiskeys by their very nature are more traditional, but I like to throw a wrench in it and decided to uh, tell the team we needed to make gin and we're working on some absinthe and some other things for our bar. Um, so we're kind of toeing the line of, of being traditional, but also trying to, to be ahead of, ahead of the curve and, and be a little out of the box. Yeah, right on. That's great. Man, Skylar, Alex, Kaylee, Ben, thank you so much for sharing a good yeah, chunk absolutely. of your day. Alex, thank you again for hosting oh. a, a lovely session today. Glad to yeah. have you guys. Uh, you all check out Meddlesome, check out High Cotton, check out Old Dominic. All beautiful stuff being made. And uh, it's, just, it's a delight to take it in and enjoy the rest of your day. I'm going to take a nap. I, I, I'm going to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was, I, say, after some Gus's of Chicken across the street. Curse. Thank you, guys. For reason. All right. Yeah, thank you. Hey, real quick, Memphis Machine would like to thank Snakebite for their sponsorship of the podcast. Snakebite Made in America makes the best keychain, beer, bottle opener, and folding fork church key along with their excellent professional bartending tool, the Mamba. You can check out Snakebite at www.snakebiteco. That's snakebiteco.com. Well, gentlemen, thank you. We uh, Here we are, Memphis Machine, uh, part two, or is this a, what do you want to call this, Jonathan? Sure, why not? Part, part two, B? section two, part, B? part yeah, of B-side. Our, of, our, of our culinary Sorry, arts uh, edition uh, focusing on beer. We'll just whiskey. pretend like we went to the other room, took a break, and came back, and yeah. there were two more brewers but, in our midst. But we are here at the lovely facilities at, at Wiseacre, and we have with us David and Kellen. Hello. Hello. Bro- the Brothers Beer, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, thank you. So, uh, um... You've been in existence uh, pretty much when I first moved here. I think you guys were just getting started about 2012. Is that right? I was born in 1981. 79. I've been in existence for (laughs) 37 years. Okay. But yeah, but more specifically, the the, the beer, the brewery itself. Oh, sorry. We're very literal. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Brewery's been open for a little over five years. Yeah. 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 And uh, and, and you guys have have made an, an impact, I would say. It's... It's, uh, uh, you know, Sunday nights when we're playing at Nursing and Hazel's, tip our hat again to, uh, yep. you know, I, uh, my go-to is Ananda. That, that's like my, that's part of my routine there. And then a Soul Burger to accompany my Ananda. You play there every Sunday? Every yeah. Sunday night. Every yeah, Sunday. cool. I love okay. Ernestine's. I think Ananda's our most dangerous beer. Is that right? Um, it has like a really sneaky amount of alcohol and it's, oh. it's, it's, I feel like it's, very drinkable for being 6.2% alcohol. So I, wow. I always, I always plow Ananda. I just drink it really fast and then I won't, I wind up a mess. It, it's, it's, del- it's, it's a it's, staple at our house. It's delicious. No, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my faves. Um, and, and speaking with, with the other, our, our other, uh, part a, uh, with high cotton and, and, uh, meddlesome and, uh, and, uh, old Dominic that, uh, we, we, it was highlighted that that maybe uh, jumping into the whole uh, brewery game is is pretty easy. Kick back, right? Was that the uh, you just kind of that's what everybody m- said? Mix some ingredients yeah. together, let let it do its thing, and <coughs> yeah. bottle it, right? No, that that's hyperbole. I know you guys take it literally, but it's it's um as, as far as like uh, the culture, the vibe. We we were honing in on you know the entrepreneurial all, all all the sexiness of it, but then there's also a crap ton of work that goes into the whole endeavor. Then what's how would you describe? You guys still like brewing beer? Are you kind of you tired of it? Or is it still exciting? How, how's that going for you? 
Um, yeah, I mean, making beer is always fun. I mean, it's it's a it's a scientific and creative outlet. I mean, I think um, there's definitely some parallels between uh, cooking and brewing. Um, you definitely have to have more of uh, an interest and care for uh, microbiology than you would if you were cooking. Mm. Uh, you also can't just go back and add more salt. You know, you, yeah. so you you have to have a much better idea where you're going from the beginning, um, which you know maybe is a little closer to baking. But you know, with baking, a lot of times you can just th- there's there's it's a more immediate thing. Yeah, I, w- <clears throat> I mean, David's being pretty specific to actually making beer, but I think in general, uh, our industry is is really hard work. You know, beer is not as good of like a margin or something as like a software or something like that. So I think you really have to enjoy it and love it and not just like beer itself, but like the whole process. And, um, you know, David is, is in charge of the brewing process and he really loves it. And I think that gets passed on to other people that are here that are in production. Yeah. And so I think that's really important because it's, it's a, it can be a grind, you know, just like anything else, it's a job too. Um, so you have to really enjoy it and, and have fun with it. Um, and I think we have fun together, so that helps. That helps the thing keep going yeah. <laughs> and pushing forward. So um, I don't know. It's funny because people ask us about entrepreneurship, and I don't think either of us necessarily would think of ourselves as like entrepreneurs. But I think we we worked really hard to learn this industry, and that's what that preparation I think has been key to to what's happened here. How, how, how'd you guys jump fall into this? I mean, like home brewing, and then it just grew, or was that like? Yeah, I, I mean, David would be the spark. He's the older brother, so I mean, my whole life I've been trying to, you know, do what he was doing and Aww. figure out, you know, uh, he loves to cook, and I think that's inspired me to try to be a good cook, whatever. But he was home brewing his freshman year of college, so that was like, you know, '98, I think, and he started home brewing, and uh, some pretty funny stories along with that. But it just grew and grew and grew. By the time he moved uh, to Nashville, it had taken over like his whole life when his wife was in grad school. And his whole apartment and condo. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I got out of college and I was like, man, you've got to figure out how to make brewing your profession. Because there's no way, if you knew David well, he was going to get some kind of regular job. And he'd had a couple that didn't work well. So I was telling him for a few months, like, you got to figure out how to make brewing your career. And then I was like, we got to figure out how to open a brewery. <laughs> uh, knowing full well that he would become great at it just because of the way he's, he's always lived his life. I mean, he'd figure out something he liked and he would, you know, master it. If it was like yeah. instructions on, you know, a camera or a toy when we were young or chess, if he didn't like something, he might not care about it and get like a D in school. But if he liked the class, he'd get 110 average. So anyway, he figured out the brewing part and I tried my best to figure out the rest. Yeah, it's a strange thing to turn a hobby into a profession. And I think for a while I I fought against that idea yeah because you know especially back then you don't really like your job so you you know you you kind of don't want to do something you love and make it your job because then you're like oh i'm not gonna like it anymore yeah um that definitely proved to not be true with brewing but it's strange when you get a hobby to a point where like you know i was making an amount of beer that was unconsumable like (laughs) you know i was so interested in the process and the, you know, the production of it that I was just going way past what was sensible. I mean, you can't drink 
you can't drink three cases of beer a week or <laughs> some, somebody probably you does probably should <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, you know so something i didn't I, we didn't bring up in the last conversation but definitely um you know just even looking here in, in the the tasting room we call this a tasting room or the uh sure the tap room the, tap pub, room. the public access tap room there we go the um you know and when when uh being in St. Louis, that uh, uh, Schlafly was my introduction to to craft independent brewing, and um, you know what 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 caught my eye is is the uh, the artistic endeavor. You know the the, the branding, the marketing of it being like uh, we're we're not we're not industrial beer. We're independent, and 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 there's this kind of like uh, what would you call it? like like this the, the artistic kind of like. Uh, uh, almost like band vibe. Is, is, is that, you know what I mean? Like just looking around this room, like you, your branding is, is remarkable and beautiful. Can you tell me a little bit of like how how this happened? Just settling yeah. on the design, the branding of, I of think Wiseacre. The, the band vibe might be especially appropriate here. Rachel Briggs, who does her art, is a, a friend from high school. All of her work is in music besides what she does for us. Mm-hmm. Um, she lives in Nashville. She's from here. Um, but she's she did Chuck Berry's last album cover. Oh, but wow. she did... Old Crow Medicine shows an album for them, and she's done a lot of other smaller bands, um, a lot of concert posters and stuff like that. So she was the art director for American Songwriter Magazine, and left to go freelance when we were going to open up. And she and I had been talking about what we wanted to do here for a long time. And we have a bunch of hilarious emails of like, when I was out west working for Sierra Nevada, I would draw a picture and you know cartoonish and send something to her, and she'd laugh and send something back. Um, but I think part of what has been magical about her work here is that she knows us well and there's like a a good communication you know artists it's somebody will tell her something to do that doesn't make sense to her and she might not get their personality or what they want and i think there's you know some kind of that um you know magical uh connection of just good friends like she knows what we're gonna think is funny and it still fits her style and all that stuff and um and the last thing i might add to it is that our I think our dad is a really good storyteller and we really love stories. So we, we, a lot of the majority of the stuff we have, there's some kind of story tied to the art. Um, and she, she has a really cool way of conveying all of that in a fun way in a classic way in a timeless way in a unique way. So that, and that, that's what hooked me not only with, you know, my, my story of, uh, growing up with, with a, uh, a Coors light, uh, you know, my dad drank light beer and I just was like, well, this is, it just didn't do any. I, I had well, didn't do anything for me at all. Trying my first oatmeal stout kind of blew my mind. But the mark, the branding, and, that, and that's what attracted me. Like I was never uh, growing up. You know, the commercials on television was like this. You know, it, it's uh, it's girls and beach and uh, boats and I, like there was always this weird kind of like uh, you're going to get lucky drinking our. Yeah, I don't know. It, <laughs> It just, it just wasn't. It was, I was like, whatever, you know. And, and, but, but the, you know, it, what, what appealed to me, like uh, the craft brewers, I think were bringing, and this is maybe getting highfalutin, but bringing about an, an intrinsic quality of like what we're doing is like, like making beer is beautiful. How about that? Making beer is is uh, there's something lovely about it. And yeah, if 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 if, if it happens to uh, uh, help your personal life, that that's one thing. But but, but actually, we're we're standing behind like. Making beer is, is a lovely thing, and we hope you like, like, we put a lot of hard work into making this different rather than just a mass-produced soda. Is yeah, what I'm I aware of three couples that met here that have gotten married. There you go. So let's not write off getting lucky. Well, you know, yeah, right. but, but as far as, like, you know, 
I, 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 I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of expressing what, what, what attracted me to, to the movement of like some like I love jazz music and now jazz is nerdy and it's 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 a very small market share in the whole realm of music but I think it's beautiful and lovely and and, and people that make it obviously are are, are excluding a, a mass appeal in order to make this art so that that's that's kind of what attracts me to to the craft brewing vibe as well just deliciousness. If I can shift this in another direction, I, I picked up that you said you worked at Sierra Nevada. Mm-hmm. Was that like a calculated move to learn the business, oh, sure. or was that like <clears throat> for sure? We yeah. um, we were back home in Memphis, and we had been, you know, I think I had mostly been prodding him, like let's get jobs, let's open a brewery, and David was the more cautious one in our relationship, and he's like, well, I want to, I need to get better at this. I've just been home brewing for years, and I read some books, but I don't. I need to know what I'm doing better. So anyway, he was like, I, I want to go to brewing school. And I got a job in the beer industry. So I got a job with a beer distributor in Nashville. I went to Belmont at night and did that for three years and turned that into a job with Sierra Nevada on um, just marketing side and stuff like right. that. So I moved out west to work for them. And David went to brewing school um, for in Chicago and in Germany. And then he was a brewer in Chicago on a professional level. So um he had, I guess, five or six years brewing in Chicago where he got to work under a guy who's a fantastic brewer and then got to work on his own developing recipes. And, you know, the ability to do that on a professional level is way different than home brewing and having, like, you know, your cousins tell you that your beer is awesome or something. You know, it's the city of Chicago. He was a brewer at um, a brewery on the corner of Grandin State, middle of downtown Chicago, Red Line Stop, you know, where People would tell him if it sucked, and he got yeah. feedback, you know, one way or another. Um, is that brewery still in existence? Or yeah. Is it, yeah. Who is it? Rock Bottom. Okay. Look, I kind of skipped over you guys. The first part of the question was Sierra Nevada, but I, everything was really intentional leading up to this. Um, and, you know, fast forwarding to Tiny Bomb, our, our Pilsner won a medal at Great American Beer Festival the first year we were open, and everybody was like, wow, it's, you know, the first year you did it, but David had been making Tiny Bomb for yeah. like seven years on a professional level, not not messing around at home. So, you know, he had been able to, to make 70 pilsners and tweak them and make little thing, little differences and make something great instead of just good. So he had all that time to, to prep and to practice and make mistakes and learn from them and all that stuff. So it was all, all part of the plan. Yeah, I can throw that. I mean, tiny, uh, I mean, all your beers, I typically drink Tiny Bomb and Ananda and they are like consistent, you know, they're yeah. like, really right on the money is that crazy hard to keep it consistent i mean you're, you're dependent upon your yeah. ingredients right for I mean, sure what do you well, do? And, and they change every year and mm-hmm. the i mean the hops are different every year and the ah. the grain is different every year it's crops yeah yeah, yeah right. it's an agricultural product um so yes it's difficult and we work really hard to, to keep it the same and not only is it difficult but it it's funny with wine where you know, inconsistency is appreciated. People are like, oh, it's different this oh, year, yeah, you know? Yeah. What's this one going to taste like this year versus next? But if you have a tiny bomb that tastes different than it's supposed to taste, you're pissed because you're like, damn it, something's wrong with this beer. <laughs> it's not okay in the beer world, even though it's way harder to keep it consistent than wow. the wine. So it's it's a big challenge, especially on lagers, which I think David would, you know, the thing maybe he's most proud of is, is making great lagers. It's, it's a more challenging thing to do on that front. Um, so why is that? Uh, uh, it, it just there's it's more of a babysitting process. Um, I think it's cold, right? Like yeah, it's, it's cold. Well, in in making things that are uh, clean 
tasting and things that finish in like a snappy, dry, like, you know, palate, uh, palate clearing sort of way, uh, are much harder to make than things that just have lingering giant, you know, giant flavors. Okay. Um, yeah, they're delicate too. I mean, if you make a mistake on a lager, you know, the it's lager, really obvious. Yeah, it's super obvious. If you make a mistake on a beer that's really hoppy, it's still going to taste really it's hoppy. It might hops. be kind of hidden. It's sort of like if you just put hot sauce all over something, you're oh. just going to taste hot sauce. Okay, I like um, hot sauce. So the 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 fact that it is you know delicate and simple and balanced is is a much bigger challenge for sure. But does it feel like every beer? Does it feel like you're releasing a record? Like, is there? Does it feel like a like you're a label. It's kind of cool. They do little yeah. I mean, album covers. I mean, we, yeah, we I mean, there, on that there's <laughs> anytime we're making something new that we haven't, we haven't released before is, is certainly like that. I mean, we've made like 130 different. Well, it's like 160 now. 160 really? different wow. beers, like distinct different beers. And every time we do that, it, it, there's a little of that, but almost everything we've made here has not, not everything that it, it's, it comes from, you know, previous batches of beer and, and the knowledge of what what malts, what yeast, what hops make, you know, different flavors in the end and how to get those things together into something that you like. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, obviously, if it's like a record, I think Dave would be a pretty prolific songwriter. But, you know, if you, there are chefs that are great chefs and if they make something new, you're almost expecting it to be great because of their... Same thing, mastery of equipment, their experience and education. Um, not that there aren't mistakes that are ever made by chefs or by David or something. I'm not saying that, but you know, he he had that you know really really big foundation to stand on to be able to experiment and um, experiment in a way that uh, he was. They're really educated, you know, um, decisions being made along right on. the way. It's not like. What's going to happen here? I don't know. You know, <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, previous knowledge from from barrel aging and Belgian beers and um, lagers and whatever the whole the whole mix of things. So, so do you also feel like a like a, a well established artist that you know can possibly get tired of, of their hits? Do you, do you, do you get tired of the hits and does it keep you from experimenting with the with other things? Um, yes and no. I mean, I. 90% of the beer I drink is Tiny Bomb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I, I would say I, I don't really get sick of the hits. I mean, there are times when, um, you know, the the larger our brewery's gotten, the less opportunity we have to just screw around with Reckless Abandon because we're so busy making the beers that, that sell really well that mm-hmm. we don't have as much opportunity to make fun stuff that maybe doesn't sell very well but that i still love i mean we have a we have a smoked hellas lager on tap right now called dr gibbler it's one of my favorite beers ever i mean it, it's uh you know it smells and tastes kind of like a campfire wow. in, a, in a really nice sort of way um you know it, it doesn't sell that well um but it's delicious and it's unique and it's not something that you get in the united states really at all. I mean, there's a, there's a town in Germany called Bomberg and all of the beer there is smoked. Like, wow, that's all you can get anywhere you go. It's just smoked beer. Huh. That's, that's the whole thing there. What do they drink? Um, schnapps too, right? What is it? They oh, do. They gosh. drink, they drink, uh, prune schnapps and, prune and, schnapps. and, and pear schnapps. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, so 
but it's it's a it's just a really un- unique style of beer that um, you don't get very often. So it, it, I wait. love I love making stuff like that and drinking stuff like that. But yeah, and we still make them. He's just saying we have to. There is a, a sense of having to keep up with. You know, we've got placements in chain grocery stores. You can't run out of beer for them. <laughs> like you have to. We have to make a lot of Tiny Bomb. We have to make a lot of Ananda. Um, right. We can't run out of Ananda because we decided to make a bunch of smoked beer. Right. Right. <laughs> I, I okay, <laughs> I mean, so but is, is is there is there like is there ever a daydream of of uh, of like you know and we talk about this also with the other guys of uh, uh, like a, a larger corporate coming in buying you guys out and it would free you up to just be experimental from you could retire and just make smoked beer for the rest of your life or is that like you know is that ever a daydream or is that not not that specifically but I, I i do think part part of the reason that we're a little hamstrung now is because we're just we're maxed out in our current facility mm. and so we don't have room to play around if we can grow some more then we can actually free up some more creative space and so i, I think we're close to doing that we've been trying to to line up all the stars to yeah. <laughs> make that happen but um our production schedule is just super tight i mean we our early guy gets here at 5 a.m a lot our late guy will leave at 3 a.m ah. so it's i mean it's really busy there's not a lot of room for air and it puts a lot of stress on the system and kind of um you know stifles creativity a little bit but i i think the the record analogy was kind of fun because i, f- I feel like we may have one of those like um crossover songs that like you know, there's some art like Radiohead, like doesn't play yeah. Creep anymore, but like people love the song, you know, that I feel like that happens sometimes where like you do something that's kind of like you think it's funny, but then everybody else loves it. And you're like, oh, God, don't, <laughs> I don't want to play this song again. Like, why do you guys like this so much? But um, that might happen sometimes. Uh, but it's but it's variety's fun, you know, like yeah. people will come up and like the smoke tell us or like this is this beer is bad. And you're like, he taught me a long time ago. Don't say it's bad. Say you don't like it. It's like you, you, if you don't like Ethiopian food, it doesn't make it bad. It just right, means right, you don't sure. like it. Somebody else loves it. So variety is fun. Not everyone's going to like everything, and we're totally okay with that. Yeah, the main point that I think I would like to, I mean, get across <laughs> to just the general population. Everybody listen. Yeah. <laughs> is do not eat a cheeseburger every day. Like, oh, yeah. You know, like there's a lot of other delicious things out there. And it's the same thing, like, do not drink a Bud Light every day. Like, it, and there's, I, there's nothing wrong with a Bud Light, but the, the problem is that you just do it over and over again. Like, I, and I, it's always so shocking to me that people are willing to just do the same thing over and over again. Like, that's such a boring life. <laughs> um, Amen. Preach. Yes. Yes, that is true. That's awesome. Um, so, uh, do you enjoy camaraderie i'm like how about the built-in camaraderie is there a built-in camaraderie of brewing and brewers between yeah the brewers in the city i mean um yeah i think there's you know when i was in chicago it was like a you know we were all a train it's about to get real loud oh yes memphis train i i live by train track so often you won't even notice. And, and, and my dogs let me know every single This time. is like in the movie when you say the most important thing, but nobody, it's just, you know, your lips moving. And there's the train in the background and it ends. I need you. Like, wow, that was deep. <laughs> we, uh, we're definitely all willing to help each other out. We have all loaned each other ingredients and oh, equipment. Wow. Uh, yeah, Drew showed up a couple months ago and was like, I need your labeling machine now. Like, I can even call. I was like, take it. 
Bring it back when you're done. Uh, yeah, and finish what I'm you're like, say I need I need some I need some oats, and they'll bring me some <laughs> oats, and then I we bring back oats and a bottle of champagne, and oh man, we're you know we're, I, I think there's definitely uh, a willingness to you know to share. Yeah, like, like we were talking, like the healthier music scene, all the musicians benefit. The healthier a, bre- yeah. uh, a brewing scene, everyone start you know it's it, it contributes. Well, and I think we're all united in the same like. Uh, don't eat a cheeseburger every day kind of battle yeah uh, so yeah that's I mean and that's probably the same nationally you know it, in Memphis I want to say the craft share is less than 10% nationally it's you know closer to 15% so there's still in Memphis 90% <coughs> of the people and it's not just you know Bud and Miller Coors and once again we don't necessarily have a hatred for them I think not at all back to what David saying there's in some ways there's a, an appreciation and respect for them but um it's it's not just those, but it's also you know, imports maybe have a um, worse taste in my mouth than than a lot of domestics. You know, just because you know, often it's like it's like the PBR of Belgium. You know, they put a fancy wrapper on it and ship it over here, and ah. people think it's nice, yeah. ah. even though it's actually in a green bottle and skunky and whatever. So there's <laughs> those other things are taking up that space instead of um, you know really American businesses and especially local businesses and. Stuff like that. So everybody is united on that on that front as well. Have you guys done the uh, Anheuser Busch tour in St. Louis? Yeah, it, it's it's mind blowing. It it is. I mean, the actual absolute magnitude of. So the first year I worked at Rock Bottom, uh, would we were one of three breweries in in Chicago, and we were uh, the third busiest brew pub in the country. So we were banging like we were going crazy. We we made a little over three thousand barrels that year, so that's like six thousand kegs worth of beer. And we sold it all across our our bar at Rock Bottom, and I was like, you know, I was feeling pretty good, pretty proud of of ourselves. And I took the Anheuser Busch tour, and when I walked in uh, to the to the cellar where they have the horizontal tanks, I uh, where they're aging beer, the Beechwood aging area. Yeah, I I, I walked in, and it, you know, it felt like there was just a giant stainless steel wall on on my right but you know when you step back a little bit you realize it's a tank you know and uh they had a little sticker on it that said the the for tax purposes it was determined that that vessel held three thousand barrels so that's that's that was my entire year of production that would that's their batch size you know? oh gosh yeah so right. it was, it's just a uh a crushing blow but also <laughs> you know the realization that they're doing things on a scale that's almost incomprehensible to wow. know, people that brew like us that's remarkable yeah, they, they dump more beer than than we make yeah for sure <laughs> oh gosh way more <laughs> they dump way more beer than we make <laughs> and, and dumping being like it, it, a brew doesn't come up right. and you get you yeah. got to kill it right yeah, yeah i mean a lot of i mean new belgium dumps more beer than we make probably I mean, just re- the really big crap but what do you do. do with the beer does it just i mean do the fish benefit how how's it work out <laughs> <laughs> Fish probably don't benefit. Probably, <laughs> probably nothing benefits. You're you're putting a bunch of acid and carbon dioxide down the down the drain. <laughs> oh gosh. So we asked this to everyone yesterday. Um, if there's anything that separates you from other brewers, uh, I think I used the word special sauce. Special sauce. Yesterday, yeah, or a mission statement, or I don't know. I disruption agenda or a lot of people yeah. here have really great hair oh. i know we're on you can't see us right now if you're listening but that's that's a big separator for us. 
everybody here is great. I, I, mean, yeah. I, I, mean, I, I meant Sam. From yeah, I, he's kind of, yeah, that was kind of similar haircut, right? <laughs> yeah, he's beautiful here. Yeah. Beautifully bald head. We fired a bunch of male models behind the glass. <laughs> <laughs> hey, real quick, Memphis Machine would like to thank Snakebite for their sponsorship of the podcast. Snakebite Made in America makes the best keychain, beer, bottle opener, and folding fork church key along with their excellent professional bartending tool, the Mamba. You can check out Snakebite at www.snakebiteco. That's snakebiteco.com. It's a weird, that's a weird question to answer because... I don't know. <coughs> um, what, what is our answer? <coughs> Besides the hair. We can skip it and edit I, this. Just trying to make add, good beer. We don't need to skip and edit it. I'll, I'll add that just the lager thing. We said that earlier, but that's something, you know, we sell beer in seven states now, and it's I get to travel around and talk to people about the beer that we make, and we're super proud to make really good lagers. And okay. I don't, no matter where we go, we don't ever want to say anything bad about another brewery to, to other people. And I don't think you're asking that, but no. I, I think the no, thing no, that, no. that we're super proud of doing well here is making really good lagers. Memphis water is important to that. We have really soft water here, which is great for making um, lagers. It's, it's, it's more easy to make good lagers here than it would be like in Phoenix where they have a really you know, high mineral content. Um, David's Brewing School in, in Germany is certainly a huge part of that. They make a ton of lagers in, in Germany. Um, is the water similar? Is that, I mean, is that like a... Our water is actually uh, ridiculously soft. Like um, Pilsen Czech Republic. Yeah, Pilsen Czech Republic is, is the, would be closer to our water. Huh. Um, the chemistry of it, obviously. Yeah, like, yeah it, it, there's just very, very little mineral content in, in our water at all. Um, most... You know, rain that falls to the earth in the United States uh, goes through or runs over limestone at some point, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, becomes a part of the water. So you have a a lot of calcium carbonate. Um, Our water uh, goes through basically a gigantic sand filter, um, which silica doesn't, you know, doesn't go into water. Mm -hmm. So we just have extremely soft mineral free water in Memphis. And other breweries have to do some filtering to, in order to, uh, it's, it's definitely some filtering, but you can only really do that to a certain degree without, um, what it's called reverse osmosis. Like you're basically just turning water into hydrogen and oxygen. Uh, and then you actually, that doesn't make very good beer either. You got to go back the other direction and start adding, uh, some mineral content back to it. Hmm. Um, just hydrogen and oxygen is uh, kind of a toxic thing to, uh, I mean, I talked to somebody that was a, a brewer in Indianapolis that uh, got so sick he almost died from just drinking the reverse osmosis water. Oh, God. Because he wasn't, he didn't understand. It like, it strips minerals out of your body. It pulls calcium out of your bones. Oh, gosh. Because, you know, you, you it's, it's. You know, plain hydrogen and oxygen is looking for looking molecules for of all sorts to, right. to pull. Right. Yeah. Those atoms are right. looking to work on. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's weird. That's kind of scary. <laughs> that, that, that's something, though, that we brag about wherever we go, just as, as Wiseacre. Um, so that, that's probably the best answer to the question. I mean, it's really fun. I was in New Orleans recently. We got a sales guy who's in Philadelphia right now where we sell beer. Um, somebody full-time in Chicago. And they're going around to bars and stores everywhere saying, 
you know, Tiny Bomb is one of the best pillagers in the country. We're able to make it because mm. of the water here. We're able to make it because we have a brewmaster who's really passionate about lagers and spent a lot of time working on it. Uh, we love Ananda, too. It's the best-selling IPA in the state. But the farther we get from home, the more Tiny Bomb will just stand out in its style. Yeah. You know, if you go to New Orleans or Philly or Chicago, you know, markets that we sell beer that are farther from home, brewers there make IPAs. There's a lot of good ones out there. It's more challenging to compete on that front. And we have this, you know, kind of a couple of hidden advantages with the water and with our German trained brewmaster. So yeah, we love lagers. We've had a lot of events surrounding lagers. We talk about them a lot. Maybe that's our calling card. That's cool. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay a little more attention to the time, tiny bomb. I just get, Oh yeah, you should. Uh, Ananda just kind of smitten me when I was first uh, jumping. Well, into we that. do a ton. I mean, o- yeah. Oktoberfest, Martin is a lager box for lagers. Um, we've done a Doppelbach before, a couple of them. Doctor Gibbler's a, a smoked. I, I'm, intri- I'm intrigued by that. I got, I got, I got. Which is a hell We've done a Japanese rice yeah. lager recently. Oh gosh. We did a, um, a Bach with popcorn. We did a collaboration with Austin Beer Garden Brewing that was a dry hopped lager. So we've done all kinds of lagers here. So I've been looking at this prank calls to Satan. Oh, nice. The black IPA. <laughs> yeah, it's when you call Satan, you make fun of him for being nice. He gets really he gets really mad about that. They're like, you're such a good guy. He's like, shut up. Leave me alone. We, we had some internal dialogue. People were like, are people going to be offended by that? And I was like, is the word Satan offensive like right. in and of itself? I don't know. I don't think it is. We're, we're being silly. Um, it was a, a riff from a, a far side cartoon where there was um there was graffiti in hell and it was like you know satan looking at people that did graffiti on the walls of hell and you know they're messing with him kind of in the same way so that was where the the idea came from we had a couple far side books when we were kids this place sucks <laughs> that's right yeah yeah oh my gosh so could you could you throw a chunk of smoked salmon in in in, in the beer making process in there if you so wanted to? fat generally is not good for beer okay um part of a nice looking beer is uh, foam head retention mm-hmm. and fat destroys foam. Ah, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. But um, you did do that bacon thing. Ah. I've done a bacon thing. Which was, tell them what you did because it, it seems way too much work. <laughs> it's too much work. Um, I mean, there's a, there's a process. Uh, it's mostly used in like the uh, like perfume industry. Uh, it's called fat washing. So, you know, there are flavors that are flavors and aromas that are uh you know soluble in different ways so there are certain things that are fat soluble and there are things that are water soluble and there are things that are alcohol soluble and sometimes you can do some fun uh transference things where uh you get something like bacon and you cook it down and you you blend uh you know the the flavor in in bacon is all in the fat Uh uh-huh you can mix that with with alcohol it's called fat washing and then uh then separate the fat again but the flavor from the fat is in the alcohol now okay um so then you can use the alcohol as like i mean you're basically making uh extract so is it kind of like like a liquid smoke making process like no liquid smoke is a a, it's like a it's a a water-soluble Vapor okay. condensation. Okay. Is, right. is, is that why perfume makers love, love that whale vomit stuff? To, is, is that what you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, there, there, there's, that, there's, that, there's that stuff. It's, it's like a whales will vomit up this chunk of stuff, and it's very expensive. If you find it, you're, 
No, do you not know what? Have you heard of this? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh! No, I'm totally, I, I'm gonna have to Google this in a minute. But no, but just I think it's what you're talking about. That it's this floating chunk of stuff, and it washes up on the beach. And if you find some, like like perfume makers will fight over it. It's like a tonsil stone of a word. Yes, yes, <laughs> tonsil stone. All right, we just lost a lot of. Well, listeners. you know, yeah. could you make a beer with ton- no? Okay. So 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 so, so the end product was not. I mean, like, so it took a lot of work, and you were kind of was was it a, a fun beer? Like, how yeah, did, yeah. Well, I mean, the idea is you, you're you're getting bacon flavor into a beer, which is a place where it just doesn't belong at all. Um, but it's it's again, it's a unique flavor. Yeah, um, and it's it's unexpected. Um, I just saw a really. I'm not like a I'm not really like a meme person, but I, or meme. Whatever the hell oh, is M-E-M-E? M-E-M-E. What do you, how do you say that? Meme. I, I think it's meme, yeah. Meme. But there's, there was a hilarious meme. one I just saw that uh, The Onion had made, you know, the yeah. fake newspaper. Yeah. And uh, they it just showed a bunch of chips, and it said, Americans like thing that tastes like other thing. Oh, yeah. So that's it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, hey, so you've, you've got, uh, speaking of arts again, though, you, you're a... Uh, 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 you have the symphony coming in um, in November, which, which will probably this will be launched probably after that. But probably, yeah. um, as far as like, is, I mean, you enjoy classical mm-hmm. music. What what other kind of artistic endeavors are you guys? We encourage you to come to Wiseacre on November the seventeenth in, <laughs> in in the 17th. past. Right. In the past, when you hear this, you'll once need you hear this, time machine. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna want to come back. <laughs> but you do have a stage, right? And uh, yeah, we have a we have a porch. That will be a stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we like lots of art. I mean, I think socially, David and I can be kind of similar, but as you guys can probably tell from our conversation, we have some different interests. Our, our dad probably especially encouraged us to get into the arts. And David, early on, it kind of became cooking first. Like he went to a cooking camp maybe in fourth grade or something like that. Oh. He came home and cooked for us. It was I like to know, consume things. He likes to make things you can consume. Yeah. Good yeah. things. And all he's ever yeah. wanted for Christmas the past... 20 years is just like kitchen contraptions so that's i feel like that's kind of become his art he mentioned widespread panic earlier he, f- he quit trying to find new music you know after like 10th grade essentially <laughs> you know, it's the stuff he liked in 10th grade he wears the same shoes he had in 10th grade <laughs> um certainly i think music is inspirational of all, all kinds art for sure and creative people i think are maybe a, a catalyst for stuff here and you know um if you worry about too many things, <laughs> you can't do anything really well. Ah, that's so, true. Like yeah. if if you're like, what a, what about my shirt? Then that's gonna <laughs> take, take away your take time away. for something else that's important. Cool, uh, especially when you have kids. There's no more time. Yeah, there's the t- oh gosh, <laughs> yeah, time is that. gone. <laughs> what uh, so so by the time this launches, uh, we'll probably be close to the new year. What 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 new things do you have coming up uh, for 2019 already? Holy cow! Yeah, right. Hmm. Think you can we talk have done something unique this year. Uh, we made a, uh, a a wheat wine that has been aged in uh, bourbon barrels. Mm. So it'll be a real heavy hitter, like a probably 13 or 14% alcohol. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, super rich, malty, uh, almost more akin to like port, uh, you know, that liquid raisin kind of flavor wow um i'm really excited about that is it and is, is that you can use your, your your gear that you already have or is that like take a special uh, i mean it it's it's some different aging processes and uh 
I wouldn't call it equipment. But yeah. How long is that process? I mean, how far are you into it? About a year is the sweet spot. I mean, there's there's definitely some times where you can you can go longer than that, um, and sometimes you can go shorter too. But about a year is usually usually the right number. You uh, just like you know, bourbon is better than longer. I mean, not not necessarily longer. It you know, there's like a 15 year sweet spot in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, seasonally and you know with temperature changes. You have, uh, you know, the wood of a barrel that's that's soak that's either soaking up liquid or expelling liquid uh, as it expands and contracts um, with with heat. Um, so, kind of the more time and the more temperature swings you have, the 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 more like a barrel it will taste, which mm. is good to a certain extent. Which is why. Some you know people clamor over like the Pappy Van Winkle like the twenty one right. year yeah. yeah and it's just gone bad by then in my opinion ah. like the fifteen years is where it's at sweet spot <laughs> I don't know what you mean yeah I've, I've had some really old scotches that were uh, the same label and everything and the twelve to eighteen like yeah. you said is kind of the sweet spot it was just it was too much beyond that yeah I think there's you know balance is maybe something you want in, in barrel aging beer and you want to be able to taste the base style really well and say that's a good imperial stout. Right. And I can taste the barrel and the spirit that was in the barrel. You don't want to just only taste, you know, wood. Then, like, what's the whole point of making a really good base beer? But we've done, you know, we did a tequila barrel-aged Belgian single that had way less time in the barrel because it was a less than 5% beer. So because it was a smaller beer in terms of booze and flavor and stuff, you know, if we left it in as long as we did a imperial salad, it would have just tasted like tequila. We wanted yeah. to be able to taste the – and that was one of my favorite beers we ever made. That It tasted like soda. It was amazing. Um, <laughs> We also I mean, it it like fr- fresco that got you messed yeah, up. Yeah, it was like, oh, squirt, like squirt or something. It was delicious. Uh, we, all, we we have a beer coming out this year that is a white wine barrel aged, um, uh, both wild yeast and lactobacillus added, so sour and funky for oh, wow. kind of buzzwords. Um, we added some pears to it, and it's gonna be delicious. I'm really excited about it. It's it's bottle conditioning right now. That'll that'll be out. Our barrel aged imperial stout will come out. That'll be symphonic this yeah. year. Yeah, uh, it's a rotating okay. thing. Um, I guess around the new year, Snowbeard will be coming, coming out, our barley wine. We're going to do Azazel again, which is a, a Belgian golden strong ale. With, we'll probably add something to it, but I don't really know what yet. Now, everything that you make, uh, is it is it available? It, well, let me re- reverse that question. Are, are some things only available in the tap room? Um. I, yeah, well, everything's available in Memphis, f- for one. So, I mean, we, we do hold stuff in the tap room, but every beer that we've made, the city of Memphis has access to where we might not ship some stuff out to other markets. And that really matters to us. We, we more than anything, want to be a great brewery for the sake of Memphis. So if we make, like, you know, if you walk back in our brewery, you'll see tanks of different sizes. All the specialty stuff will be in smaller tanks. Um, so there's less of it in general, and it'll go out to, if we bottle it, it'll go out to, you know, all the better beer stores in Memphis, Joe's, and Cash Saver, and Buster's, and all those places, and then, you know, we'll have some here as well. But okay. it might not make it, um, you know, across the state or around the southeast or whatever, um, if that makes sense. That's awesome. I was going to say, so if, um, obviously, you know, people listening, uh, people getting into brewing, uh, you guys have enjoyed success. You've worked really hard. And you continue to work hard. What what are what are the joys and the warnings you could give someone who's maybe poking around at, at, at looking to do this? Um, the primary warning would be that 
opening a business because you love something is like the dumbest thing you can ever ah. do. Um, it, if you don't have, you know, experience and, uh, you know, some, some understanding of uh, like what an actual business is that, I mean, I'd love to say that we're just, I wouldn't love to say it. I'd, it's the passion and the excitement about making beer or grilled cheese or music or whatever mm-hmm. uh, is extremely important. But if you don't understand that in the end, if you don't make any money, it's not going to work. Yeah, it's not and, enough. And then you will lose everything that you love. Right. Um, that, that would be the main, that would be the primary warning that I would give to people. Maybe an inverse way of saying it is like, you know, you'll see a story and it's like, you know, this accountant follows his passion for beer to open a brewery. And I always think of it, you know, we worked for about 10 years in the beer industry before we opened up. And, you know, what if it was like we decided to open up uh, an accounting firm because we liked accounting or something? It was That wouldn't make, we would suck at it. Like, yeah. we're not good accountants. You know, we love tax, so we're going to open a, an accounting firm. We wouldn't be good at it. We don't have experience in it. We don't have training. We didn't learn from anybody that taught us how to do it. It just, there's some silliness involved in that that, um, it kind of goes along with the um, warning, and, and I don't think David didn't mean that like in a way of kind of bashing people. But it is. Oh yes, it's, I did. It's a it's a risk <laughs> starting a starting a business is a risk. I, I, I think the it's, restaurant I think the restaurant business is famous for that. Oh yeah, it's, it's the exact same thing. It's very yeah. romantic. Some people yeah. have some money. Like we're going to open a restaurant. And music too. Yeah, I mean, sure. oh for sure. And so many of those things just go down in flames and so often is the case with beer and with restaurants and and with music the beer or the food or whatever it can be freaking awesome and if you don't have anyone that knows how to run the business it mm-hmm. doesn't matter like the food can be delicious and you're still going out of business mm-hmm. yeah the the first couple of years were i think really <coughs> fun and really hard but it, it it's not sustainable so i think if you you know we were here at midnight kegging beer and trying to do our taxes and cleaning the bathroom and serving beers and doing it all over again. And it, you just couldn't do it forever. So I don't think anybody would want to be in that perpetual state of, Oh yeah. I'm early on. It was crazy. <laughs> so, so you, you acquired a better acumen for the business side. Is that what you're saying? Like that? Yeah. Kind of, yeah. And I mean, by necessity, maybe. Yeah. Right. right? Yeah, and we, I mean, we have, we've had people to work with us and teach us stuff along the way on, on the business front, I guess, as well. But um, it's having a business is not um, – it's, it's challenging. It's, yeah. And I think a good thing that we have is that the two of us can – we can, like, fight. I mean, like, two days ago, we were pretty pissed at each other. But we've been doing that for, you know, almost 40 years now. <laughs> and so we, we're, we're over it, like, as soon as we're done. Right. So we can be brutally honest with each other, which you have to be. Mm. Um, and then we can forgive each other and not care about it you know, wow. the next day. And that's pretty tough. I mean, just in general in life and just in terms of how relationships go, people, what did he mean? What, I don't know. And then you internalize it and you <laughs> get over it. We don't have any of that. Right. It's like, wow. Also, there's, just, <laughs> there's an inherent trust in working with, well, in working with my brother. Yeah, I don't know if that's true for everybody's family. Yeah, I was kind of going to say that you might be the exception rather than the rule, <laughs> right? But like, I don't ever think. I wonder if Kellen's stealing, like, okay. or I wonder if you know if he's doing things that just benefit him. 
um, you know, I don't, I don't ever think those things. And yeah. it turns yeah. out sometimes he is stealing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not that big of a deal. I don't know how to log in when I, t- when I get beer. We're, we're supposed to keep track. <laughs> Where, where'd the oats go? Wow, it's like, yeah, she was. Kellen's feeding him to his horse. <laughs> <laughs> Kellen has a horse. Do you really have a horse? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't have a horse, no, everybody. It's a pony. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave and Kellen, thank you so thank much. You I mean, so this much. is delightful, you guys. Thank you. I know you just, just giving us some precious, precious time uh, to discuss this. And please, Memphis and beyond, try, <coughs> try Wiseacre. And, and like me, just go beyond the Ananda and try, try everything else, although I do love Ananda again. Um, but thank you, guys. This has been delightful. Appreciate it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Don't eat a cheeseburger. There you go. Every day. <laughs> every day. Sometimes. Yeah. You should eat cheeseburgers. Just don't eat one every day. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. He's got, he's got a batch brown. Hey, uh, welcome to... Uh, I'm going to call this the third part. I don't know if it's going to play in the third part, but... It'll work out. It'll work out. We, we, yeah. we, we, guys, welcome to Memphis Machine. This is the third stop. This is the third stop of yeah. a delightful uh, endeavor. Uh, made in... Uh, Memphis made... Memphis made beer. Uh, thank you guys for taking some time out of your precious day to or hang with, with us. And, and uh, Andy and Drew, or Drew and Andy, Drew and Andy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, this is part of our, our culinary arts uh, edition that we have going. You know, uh, Memphis creatives. Uh, when, when the idea came up for uh, pursuing kind of culinary arts, of course, beer came to, at the top of my list, Certainly. as it should. Yeah. yeah. Let's and, be honest. And, and, really, it's a stretch. We just. <laughs> Wanted to do a beer I just episode. Wanted to and talk we, to we people that dreamt made up beer. an excuse to but, do. To do no, beer. but I mean, like within the last, I mean, craft beer. I, part, some of our guests didn't, don't even like the term craft beer anymore. But independent oh, brewing yeah. Yeah, has, has, has 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 launched. Uh, people making a name. People making beautiful stuff. Um, you guys are in the heart of Midtown. Yep. Memphis. Yep. For those who uh, are not familiar, Midtown is is a, is an art saturated part of Memphis. You could say, and and it, it from there. Uh, Plenty of goodness leaks into all of the rest of Memphis, but why don't you give us a little biography as to how you guys arrived to where you are right now? You and me. <laughs> um, I guess I'll jump in on this. All right, go for it. Yeah, uh, well, we started it. Drew and I had known each other a long time. Um, you know, we, we were in Memphis drinking good beer before the scene was really established uh, years ago, and uh, we both worked at the Flying Saucer downtown. Which oh, was, yeah. A bastion, the only place really to drink craft beer there for a while and good beers. Um, and then uh, Drew ran off to Asheville, North Carolina, and uh, you know, and had a great time out there and worked at French Broad Brewing Company. And then he was looking to move back to Memphis. He's got his family here and just was uh, wanted yeah. to start a brewery. It was uh, time to get married, start a family, uh, start a business. And, and, and beer was, was, was at the top of your Oh, list, absolutely. It was, it was the only thing on the list. Uh, yeah, we, I, uh, I started home brewing when I was in college. I made that first batch of beer, and uh, I fell in love with it. I knew that's what I wanted to do for the, the rest of my life. Yeah, that, 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 that's a common thread we've heard a lot with, with, yeah. with guys. Obviously, when you hang out with other brewers, this is obviously... I mean, like there, there's, there, there's some kind of like childhood or, or, or teenagehood, <laughs> a young adulthood thing happening. 
and, and launching you into this. Um, yeah, I actually started uh, about two months after I turned 21, and I was, I was kind of pissed because uh, I then realized that I, I actually could have started buying ingredients at the age of 18 because you, you can legally make beer at 18. You're, just, you're not supposed to drink it. Uh, That's so, amazing. Yeah, uh, a little tip out there for anybody uh, you know, about to turn 18. Young people. Uh, <laughs> uh, just don't drink it. Uh, but yeah, uh, I, I, it was just a couple of months after that. And I was like, man, I could have not had people buy me beer. I could have just made it. And, but here yeah. we are. And, and, and we, we are in the tap room, as a matter of fact. And, and, and beer, yeah. beer is being made right now. Beer is being made. Yeah. Forklifts are being run around. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually quite clean because we were open last <laughs> night. But uh, if you'd been here at this time yesterday, yeah. this place was a total disaster. <laughs> uh, there are usually about... Anywhere from four to twelve pallets of stuff just sitting around the tap room. Uh, so if you come in here for the tap room, and you're like, "Oh, this place is uh, pretty cool." Yeah, just remember that there was a forklift running through there uh, oh, not gosh. too long before you got here. Oh yeah. So um, did you did you? Sorry, forklift. <laughs> yeah. Forklift. You get used to it. It's just like planes near the airport. So did you? Uh, work anywhere else uh, to, to learn more about brewing uh, get some experience in any in any other world of brewing uh, French me. French Broad Brewing in, in Asheville was my only other brewing job okay. uh, I was there for uh, five years I uh, I got hired on as the delivery driver uh, a year later the assistant brewer left so I got to take his spot and then six months after that the head brewer left and I got to move up to that uh, so within 18 months, I went from delivery driver to head brewer and uh, stayed there at head, as head brewer for three and a half years and then moved back to Memphis to, uh, to open up this, this place with okay, look, Yeah, so I mean, that's amazing to me. There, there's a, is, is, there, is there a culture of like apprenticeship, old world apprenticeship? Within the brewing, brewing uh, world? Yes, yeah. And there's, I mean, there's also schooling you can go to yeah. now. Uh, and there, there has been. Sorry, there's stacking kegs in the back if you can hear that. That's good. Um, <laughs> there, uh, no, I didn't hear that. <laughs> um, it's a working brewery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's definitely a lot of apprenticeships, uh, but there, there are more and more schools opening up. Uh, but it definitely... Uh, people my age and, and, and older... Uh, most went through some kind of uh, apprenticeship situation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, that's it, one of the cool things I think about the industry is it does one of those apprenticeship things. You can go to school and you can take classes and you can get a degree. And actually, Drew has a degree in. in I do. <coughs> I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I have the first and only degree in beer from the University of Memphis. Is that right? Yes. Right. I, I have a degree in Zimmergy management. And uh, Zimmergy is the art and science of fermentation. Huh. Yes. Uh, so I, uh, I left school in Michigan uh, where I was going to engineering school and came back home to Memphis and finished up there. And I, I did a design your own degree program. Um, and that's through the university college there. And took a lot of classes in microbiology, uh, marketing, management. Uh, I forget what else. There was something else. But basically just like, try to get a well-rounded idea of like, how to run a brew pub was what I wanted to do. And uh, uh, one, of the re- one of the other reasons I left my first school was because I didn't want to write a thesis. As an undergrad at that school, you had to write a thesis. Right. And uh, then I ended up writing an 80-page thesis at Memphis for my undergrad. <laughs> nice. But it was, an, uh, it was actually a, um, it was a business plan for a meadery, um, a mead being honey wine. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so it worked out great. Uh, I you know, enjoyed every minute of it. I had enough credits to actually get two degrees, but I didn't. Uh, it was a, a Bachelor of Arts degree from the University of Memphis, but I, I say I got a degree in BS. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, so, I mean, when you say you started brewing when you were a teenager, 
and you knew what you wanted to do. I mean, you created your own path from, I was, from, I was, that, from that. I was twenty one right? when I started brewing. Well, <laughs> all right. Yeah. So, so, so uh, sorry. Um, but, but I mean, right when you knew, I mean, you didn't deviate at all. It sounds like no, I mean, no. I, like, I I made that first batch, and before it was even like I I made it that day, and it, before it even started bubbling, I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life, and. Uh, I, uh, one of the, I think one of the benefits that I had to, that helped me make that decision was uh, the school I was going to was a co-op school. So I went to school for three months and worked for three months and school for three months and worked for three months and school for three months and worked for three months. And that's just how you, that's how you did school. Yeah. Uh, so I got a lot of practical experience in an engineering office. And can we cuss? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I fucking hated it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I, uh, I, I tried my best to finish that degree because I was like, I just need to, I just need to have this as a backup. And uh, I, I got four and a half years out of a five-year program. I was like, nah, I can't do this anymore. Awesome. Yeah. Do, does it, are you conscious, conscious of the fact that you have a, does this endeavor combine your, 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 your science and art? Absolutely. Every day? Yeah. I mean, like, is that something you reflect on and think about, man, like, this is... Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get the artsy side of designing uh, recipes and things like that, and then uh, a lot of engineering stuff. Like one day I'm, gonna pl- I'm a plumber, one day I'm an electrician. You know, one, uh, some days I get to brew beer. Uh, you know, m- most of it's just fixing shit around here. Oh gosh, yeah. yeah, I think that's a common misconception. People think of the artistry of beer, but it's a lot of science and and you know, right. boiling this, you know, getting this type of liquid at this temperature for this duration of time and I mean it's a lot of work on that level it's well, a lot the of the other common thread too a lot of cleaning the, yeah it's the cleaning thing that, <laughs> oh, that we've heard from everyone yeah, yeah I mean, that, cleaning I mean, and learning how to fix your equipment yeah definitely yeah uh, and, and it was was being uh, being located in Midtown was it was that intentional or did that just kind of happen did it grow up around you or like what uh, it, it was intentional it almost didn't happen uh, but we certainly uh, we wanted it Andy and I both live in the neighborhood in Cooper Young yeah, uh, yeah. if we didn't have to use our cars for other things during the day we would both just walk to work uh, you know, sometimes I wonder why don't I just leave my, my Jeep here and I just walk home and then use my Jeep during the day when I, yeah. I don't know maybe someday I'll do that yeah. a lot of times I gotta get my kid to school uh, so um I don't know. One one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, we're midtowners. Yeah. 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 Through, but through, we yeah. Uh, we we looked at this location at first, uh, and then didn't think it was going to work out. So we uh, we went out and you know looked for other locations and actually got other ideas of how to make this space work. So yeah, we we, we set out to not only be in Midtown but be in Cooper Young in particular, and uh, it just it took a lot of you know Dayton to find the uh, find the right. Sp- space that's great yeah that's awesome and and uh, we also another common thread is people maybe looking to, to pursue a brewing career uh need to have eyes wide open to to uh, the upstart all the cost oh yeah uh, you know and, and it was Regulations. Fi- is, it, is, is financing is i mean are banks all gung-ho about brewing or is it like it was difficult when we started for sure yeah. uh you know we you know we went out and hunted out investors uh, we did not go to a bank to start off with ah um, and so that I mean, it took a while. I mean, it took a year and a half, two years to, to pull it all together for that. Um, but that, that was <laughs> the process in itself is pretty difficult. But also, never having done it before made it even more difficult. Yeah. Uh, but we went to a lot of stuff like with uh, Score, which I'm totally forgetting what it stands for. But it doesn't. I don't, whatever. So, I mean, look it's it up. Like Score. a mentorship in small business. Oh uh, yeah. In Clark Tower. Yeah. Uh, and then we uh, we talked to some like the small business administration and things like that and got a lot of good advice through that. Um, but then it was, it was seriously just like you know talking to people and be like, hey, you want to invest in this? Yeah, 
Yeah, and I think, I mean, this has probably gotten a little easier now. I mean, people are for, more familiar with craft beer, especially in Memphis. Five yeah. years ago, they were like, there's only, there was only Bosco's and Ghost River, and they're like, right. oh, this is going to go away, and yeah. people just keep drinking Budweiser forever and a day. And now I think people are, are understanding, especially with some of the larger regionals that are growing bigger and the nationals and what they're doing the way, you know, just it just seems people see that it's not going anywhere. It's not a fad. It's a trend. Yeah. Yeah, let lay a little. Now, now we actually have banks coming to us and asking if, you know, can we give you money? It's like, yeah. no, we're good now. Where, where <laughs> right. the hell were you five years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Capital spam. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> like in our in- our inbox, you want capital? Like, I mean, um, so- we have bankers stop by the tap room, and be like, hey, we'd love to, you know, help you all. It's like, yeah, uh, that's cool, but we're good now, <laughs> yeah. man. It's got this Here. sack Buy of a beer. cash in the. Uh, got a sack of cash in the car, like <laughs> sign this document. We're cool. You just leave it. Oh, and then they get really weird, and you ask them for like five million bucks, and it's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, are you guys? I mean, are, are there people that you have employed right now that that you're mentoring, you know, apprenticing to, you know? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, I think. Uh, I mean, none of our guys came in from other you know, practical uh, commercial experience. You mm-hmm. know, some had some homebrewing experience and things like that, but no, nobody's. Uh, Pork Chop was a journalist. Yep, yep. Adam was working at Central Barbecue. Yep. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Maybe some chef experience and cook experience, but but yeah, no, no commercial brewing experience. But again, uh, I, don't, I don't think I don't think anybody from any. Uh, well, uh, Vanessa. Uh, Alex had that was just, this was just oh really okay. yeah. uh, Vanessa, Vanessa worked at Coronado Brewing yeah, in San Diego manager. awesome yeah and then as far as like um, as far as the scene in Memphis like what, what what's your take on that and, and maybe if you could like what's the forecast for brewing in the, in Memphis it's definitely growing I mean we're, we're kind of set up a base level I mean you know again when Drew and I started it was just really Bosco's and Ghost River and then that that year Wiseacre High Cotton and we opened all at the same time 2013 and then you, know, you added a couple more, and now there's a cidery, and I mean that's not you know a brewery obviously, but it's it's you know in the same ballpark. And it's I mean a fermentation family. Fermentation family. There are, you go. are you going to come back around and make some mead, or is, 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 is have you done Drew that? Makes a hell of a good mead. I, I make some of the house yeah. off the rack. Yeah. You know. I mean, just just personally, you don't you don't do it. Uh, no, uh, I mean I'm not saying that that won't happen someday, but uh, no, not right. I mean, you want to try some? We got someone uh, back there. I, I'm not, I'm never going to say no if someone okay, offers yeah, me. We'll, we'll grab some in a second. <laughs> But is that a whole different? Is that, does that take different gears? That a whole different process? It's so much easier. Really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You don't have to mash anything. You just mix shit up and uh, <laughs> go to go to town. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But it's, uh, it just takes longer. No, yeah. The, the scene's growing. It's maturing. You know, you're seeing these guys enter the market. We're all. I mean, five years in. I mean, Drew and I have learned a lot in five years. Yeah. You know, and a lot. And yeah. all the breweries have. So, you know, first year or two or three, you know, you. You're still feeling your way, and then around year five, you kind of have a better idea of what you're doing and what your identity is, and yeah. you know, and you're educating people. We're all doing tours. That means the public's getting more education. I mean, that was one of the reasons we started a brewery. Is there wasn't a scene in Memphis, and people would always, you know, kind of complain. They go, "Oh man, I was came back from Denver, and the scene's amazing there. I came here from, you know, San Francisco, and they have this amazing beer scene. Or Asheville. Have you ever been there? It's great, man. Memphis has no beer scene, and we're like, you know." Why don't you do something, you know, instead yeah. of just complaining about it, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of part of our ethos is just, like, getting started and educating people about beer and, like, becoming the beer scene a little bit, you know, and educating people about beer and talking about beer as opposed to just, you know, Bud Miller Coors. How, how important is it to have, have a tap room? 
to you guys. Uh, very important. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, was, was that from the onset, or is that like something that came up later? Or uh, last year? I mean, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, we wanted to do it from the from the very beginning, mm-hmm. uh, but we we didn't really get the capital to make that happen uh, to start off with. So it actually took us a little over a year to open the tap room. We uh, we put out our first beer production wise. Uh, October 11th, 2013, and then the taproom opened the following Thanksgiving Friday. So yeah. uh, it was almost uh, exactly a year, um, and it just took a while for us to pull all that together. But we, I mean, we wanted to have one from day one. Uh, it just it, we didn't, but uh, I mean, it, it's it's great retail money for us. It's yeah. great connection. Uh, gives me a place to hang out on Fridays. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's instant customer feedback. You know, you do a beer, you put it on tap person sitting across from you is talking about it you know you yeah. can ask them questions you like it what don't you like i mean i mean it seems to be a given model right i, I can't think of any brewery that doesn't have a tap room uh that that's come you know yeah yeah that, i'm sure there's a handful out there but it's it's very few that don't do that now is, um, is that something like that that breweries like that when when they open they're just like okay well this is a given we're gonna have to have this i think it, it's pretty much boilerplate at this, at this point yeah okay um it's uh, it's it's really it's it's changed the industry a lot too. Um, you know, we've we've got more breweries now than we have ever had, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of people have been concerned about this this bubble that's going to burst and a so, beer bubble. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, my god. Yeah. Um, and we had a, a really terrible one in the in the mid '90s where uh, I mean a lot of breweries closed down. Uh, I forget the number, but it was hundreds of, of breweries um, and. Tap rooms weren't really a thing at that, that time. Uh, there, um, there were a handful out there, but there weren't that many. So you were either a brew pub and you sold all your stuff on site, or you uh, you were a production brewery and you, you sold everything through wholesale. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, with with this mix here of the wholesale and, and having the retail aspect uh, is what is driving the, these breweries now. Uh, I mean, I think in the mid '90s there were definitely less than two thousand breweries. I forget exactly what the number was. I want to say we're over 6,000 yeah, now. Last I heard. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, 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 there may be a small bubble coming, but it, it's not going to be anything like the mid-90s for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yeah. And so do you feel like the state has kind of caught up at least somewhat with, with what you're trying to do with the industry? The state? With what? Or, or like the state like, of Tennessee, or yeah, or, or the city, uh, or just no, what, 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 I, Tennessee. I, I wouldn't give the state anything any credit like that. No, <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's still you still ha- dealing with like Tennessee's pretty archaic. Archaic. No, well, I mean, there's there's always there's gonna be pros and cons to every state. Yeah, uh, sure. You know, we uh, we have the highest beer tax out of any state, ah. like by far. I think Alaska's second. And uh, they're a third of what our, our taxes. Wow, which is uh, ironic because I mean all the like Tennessee, you know all the words coming out of Nashville are like oh we need lower taxes, lower taxes on pretty much everything but beer. I think yeah. is what it kind of <laughs> comes down to. Like, uh, but we also have the option to self distribute in Tennessee, in, well at least in our county in Tennessee. Um, that's key. How, and, yeah, that's and some states don't right? let you do that. Some some states mandate that you have to go through uh, you a wholesaler. Are y'all familiar with the three tiered system? Yeah, I, I, that came up in our first conversation. I was wondering about that when when High Cotton uh, when Kaylee was mentioning uh-huh. that that they self distribute, and I was like, wait a second, what you know? I, yeah, and that, that's huge for us. Uh, it, it, it gives us uh, a couple of uh, pros. It gives us a better connection with the customer. Uh, we know the bar manager who orders the beer. You know what what our where our placement is, where our line cleaning is. Uh, but also, it just gives us a better profit margin. Yeah, and, uh, it's it's a lot more work, but it's, it's a lot worth more, it. Uh, yeah. But, but it, yeah, comes it, back. it definitely works yeah. out for us. Well, okay. Speaking of beer, right now, uh, Drew poured us a delicious glass. Uh, this is Scottish ale. Is that yeah. correct? Flat yeah. attack. Flat attack. Plat attack. Plat attack. 
plaid attack. I love it. Um, you know, something that was interesting is that uh, Devin from uh, Wiseacre mentioned that he, like his go-to of his own beer was Tiny, Tiny Bomb. Correct. Which is a straight up lager, right? Pilsner. Yeah. Pilsner. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And 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 uh, you know and, and yeah, in my, in my introduction to a uh, uh, independent brewing was an oatmeal stout, which was, you know, and and then just jumping into everything that was just very large, large tasting, oh, yeah. large. So so, what's your philosophy like? <laughs> how, how, how do you feel? I mean, I was just looking again on your website of and just a list of of beers you guys have done, and it, it's there's some we haven't put on there. <laughs> yeah, there we have missed a couple of them. Um, uh, I'm in this. I'm kind of in the same boat with David. Uh, I uh, a junt is my go-to. It's a cream ale. It's yeah. light. It's easy drinking. It's four and a half percent. It's uh, that, that's that's my go-to beer. Uh, also, whatever we just tapped up, I tend to you know drink more of that when we first tap it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I always go back to to, to junt. I've always got some in the fridge of the house. But I mean, is that is that still popular with with, with your uh, with with the folks as far as like kind of going wild or trying large different things? Uh, I think it just depends on the customer, really. Uh, yeah. But you know, I mean, Fireside's by far our biggest seller, and yeah. it, it's an amber ale, super easy drinking, five point one percent, not hoppy at all, malty but not like over the top. It's not sickly sweet. You no, know, it's no, uh, right. It, and it's five point one percent alcohol. So I mean, this guy's just six point two. It's you know, five point one still. Not sessionable, but it's you know you're going to drink a few of them, not have to take a break, you know, yeah. too much of a break. <laughs> yeah, drink responsibly, kids. There you go. Uh, there you go. But no, I mean we've always, you know, uh, now when we started off, we were a seasonal only brewery. Really, that was a little known nugget about us. We uh, tr- yeah. we switched it up. <laughs> Talk about learning. Uh, we, you know, we used to switch it up every three months. Every three months, we we took the beers off tap and and, and put something else out in the market. Is, is, is true? Is that total? Hated it. I hated it. Was, it. I didn't know yeah. why I hated it because I didn't. Even, I was too dumb to understand it. So point. was was Fireside your first? No, uh, no Fireside. Uh, no, I mean, the first, Parkways Pale Ale. Parkways and uh, um, South Cooper Saison were the two, <laughs> first two beers that we put out. No, no, no. I mean, um, first year round. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yes. It was. I think it was actually because yeah. I remember it was originally as a fall seasonal one year, and we took it off, and people were like literally they were pissed. pissed off. Oh and my I, god! He came I, back to the brewery. He's like, "Dude, you, we got to do something." I was like, "No, nah, man, this is what we're doing. We're we're changing yeah. it up." He's like, "No, nah, man, uh, they're, they're they're rioting out." And there. then the next year, it was a fall seasonal, and, and uh, we was a fall, and then a fall and winter seasonal because right. we kept it, and then we took it off again. And then you know I'm just. Going I think out we there put it back on in that. I think we I think we took like a two month break on it, and like Andy was like seriously like the people are, people are going to drop our taps. They're going to they will not buy beer unless it's Fireside. Wow! And so, I mean they, they were mad because you had to reeducate. You're like, hey, those beers you like, guess what? They're gone. Here's two new ones, completely different. <laughs> and they'd be like, and the Memphis really again, it's not a sophisticated market. This is not like you know Portland or something where people go like, oh yeah, sure, seasonal brewery, we're hip to that. Uh, and we're like, and I think was that. Was that the same like winter that like our only two beers were two dark beers? We had a, a coffee Belgian stout and a and a dark wheat beer. And yeah. That's all we were uh, pushing. And uh, yeah, we we learned a lot from the the sales and uh, and marketing aspect of that. And then, so now, guys, we're don't to, don't just do that. Don't, don't <laughs> yeah, not yet. I mean, well, we're reading these stories about like Evil Twin and the, like you know Gypsy Brewers and all these just you know crazy different ways of doing it. And this is yeah. Memphis. It's just a little different. And 
So, yeah, we settled into three-year-round beers, but then they have plenty of time to play. I mean, they do yeah. a lot of one-off limited run beers, so it's kind of a blend of the two. You know, you got to kind of give the people what they want, but you also give them something new, and so that's what we try to do. You know, the, well, there's also the, something to be said for consistent, you know, a consistent brew, you know, a consistent recipe that yeah, you know, sure yeah. demonstrates a lot. It seems like you know, oh, absolutely. Can, can you keep can you keep beer like like so if you have a, a one off or something like can you how long can you store beer? Uh, it all depends <laughs> on the beer. Um, yeah. Uh, Typically, the rule is lower the alcohol, the quicker you want to drink it. Uh, oh, yeah. Bigger alcohol beers will, will tend to stay longer. Okay. Um, but it, it, it really all just depends on the beer. Well, and hops. Hops are a preservative, but they're also better fresh. Ah. You know, you want to drink an IPA straight out the gate. Yeah. Hops are one of the first things to deteriorate. So you don't want to age an IPA, really, necessarily. Oh, okay. I, mean, I would argue, no. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you to that point, you, you got some brewers that almost exclusively only drink IPAs off the off the tanks back there. Like, like once it goes to the tap, like, nah, it's not that good anymore. Like, yeah, wow. it, it's 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 different. It's for a sure. very freshness yeah. issue. I mean, I remember one time I had a, a when I was working at the Saucer, uh, I had there was a beer they had Sierra Nevada wheat. They don't even make it anymore, but it was just a, I had it at the Saucer and it was fine. It was just a wheat beer. It was light, thin, not a lot of flavor to it. And then I went and visited my sister in San Francisco or in. Uh, Actually, I went to uh, Chico with a friend of mine and had it, and you could smell the hops from like a foot away. Wow. Same beer, but it was just right off the tank, you know, and it was just, it had just deteriorated that much. Um, so, yeah, hops, you want to definitely do that. Now, you know, and again, high alcohol, you know, malty beers probably are a little better, I would argue, yeah. for aging. Hey, real quick, Memphis Machine would like to thank Snakebite for their sponsorship of the podcast. Snakebite Made in America makes the best keychain, beer, bottle opener, and folding fork church key along with their excellent professional bartending tool, the Mamba. You can check out Snakebite at www.snakebiteco. That's snakebiteco.com. That's cool. I mean, I, in, in our discussion so far, I kind of liken um, breweries to a to a record label almost is that we, we were talking about the yeah before, we talked right? about that with the, you know kind of putting out the hits the branding yeah uh, you know and, and, yeah. and uh, uh yeah exactly the marketing the branding uh uh so I, I just thought of this like would you guys have the time or would it ever interest you to like to pursue even more artistic relations i was asking if you were part of a uh gone records, gone records you know like like sort of open a label or some kind of like you know yeah, obviously. Do you have live music here at the tap room? We do occasionally. Yeah, yeah. Not, I mean, not, not on a regular basis, but for certain events and things like that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, Drew, Drew, Drew's been in a few cover bands. You mentioned, Drew. right? Yeah, I'm so, Andy, Andy's sorry, been. Sorry, on. Andy. No, I'm, I Look cannot play any instrument whatsoever. Yeah, Drew, Drew cannot play instruments. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, is that, is that like, as, far, as far as like would that? I mean, I, I guess beer takes up most of your time. Would that be? Oh yeah, we definitely don't have any time to do anything like that right now. I mean, be, yeah, it'd be cool to be able to do some kind of offshoot of, of something someday. But yeah, uh, you know, I mean, like with the Cooper Young Festival, this this is a main. This is right in the thoroughfare of, of everything. Yes, this, yeah. as far as I mean, this is you guys are a big part. Seems of the like festival, a lot of possibilities right? for yeah. partnership in the community. Oh yeah, yeah, and we yeah. and we partner with Goner all the time. Uh, Zach over at Goner actually curates most of our our, our stage presence. Uh, so he he helps us get a lot of awesome bands. Yeah. Um, and then we we actually we've been sponsoring Goner Fest for I two or three that, years now. No, at least. Like, I think I think it's been five well, sponsor, years. Sponsor? We hosted. I'm sorry. Yeah, we've been hosting the last two years now. So we, we did yeah. the, the Friday Day Show here. Um, and we brew and, beers just for them. I mean, yeah. that's our way of showing love, really. You know, yeah. um, it's not all about like we write this you know big check or whatever. Yeah. It's like Drew collaborates and works with Zach over there and Eric and 
do a Garnerfest Session IPA every year, different one, and we do a Garner Brow, and then this year we did 16-ounce Tallboy Garner Brow I remember that. Yeah. for just the shows and stuff, and uh, people love it. You know, it's fun. It's, it's We need to hook you guys up with the opera, a, me- a, me- right. a Memphis Opera IPA or something would be. Yeah. Yeah. Or Shrimp's Scottish good Hill. for opera. It's soaring ceilings yeah. and stuff. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah, we'll be down with that. Yeah, we've yeah, done. No, no, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah we, we had a good interview with uh, uh, Opera Memphis. It was, it was fantastic. Right. We've I know, done I know some that stuff yeah. with Rock and, and Romp. And we've done stuff with Rock and Romp. We've got, uh, we got a beer coming up with uh, New Ballet next door. Uh, we've, we've done Nut Remix with them for a couple of years now. We're actually going to put that in cans this Nut year. Nut Brown beer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Very cool. And they're like just down the street, New Ballet Ensemble. They mm-hmm. do like a different yeah. version. Yeah, part right in front of them. Gosh, who have we not? We've done a lot of different collaborations. There's none of them coming to mind right now. Right. Done a lot of stuff with uh, Clean Memphis and Project Green Fort. Uh, Pineapple Wheat. Yeah, yeah. Overton Square, Overton Park, rather. We've done a lot. Over we there. do a lot of stuff. Day a lot of, of Mary events making, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, we're hosting something, a fundraiser for them recently. We did some stuff with Wolf River Conservancy. I mean, uh, we sent some. We did some specialty packaged junt, some Americana junt for uh, Music Export in Memphis. Sent that to Americana Fest in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we did a variety of different, you know, collaborations. That's Who does cool. your uh, graphics? Uh, Weston Notestin does uh, our graphics. He, he used to work across the street at, the, at Bluff City Sports, and uh, he's, he's since moved on to there, but he, he still does all of our stuff. Very nice. Yeah, but we, we awesome. met him from just being across the street there. I mean, yeah, so, like, I mean, it... it like with Wiseacre, I mean, and, and uh, uh, just kind of stumbling. Into, it was a friend. It was a it was a high school high school friend. The artist, yeah, yeah, high school, for, yeah. For, oh, I right, mean, right. I mean, yeah. so so I mean, did, I, I only know because I went to high school with them. That's fantastic. No, that's <laughs> yeah. great. I mean, White so Station. like, um, starting a relationship with someone re- regarding branding and, and 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 the artistry of it. Uh, but he didn't have like something in mind, right? It just kind of fell into. Yeah, I mean, like, that's kind of how a lot of it is. I mean, it's through relationships, yeah. you know? Like, uh, we did something with Lucero a couple of years back, and basically the bass player just walked in here one day and was like, hey, would you guys be interested? And we did, you know, the family picnic back in 2015. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, that's how a lot of it is. But are you asking, like, did we have a vision for the... the yeah. Art? Oh, no, no. Yeah. We, we are not graphic artists uh, or... or, or Visual artist in any way. Yeah. Um, I mean, we definitely put our final stamp of approval on everything, but uh, no, we, uh, we, we, Weston in particular and anybody else we've worked with in the past, uh, we definitely have let them just kind of do their thing. Wow. What, what advice do you have for folks wanting to roll up their sleeves and, and jump into this realm? Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Go home. <laughs> yeah. Go do you, back. Do you like sleep? <laughs> is the first question. Uh, no, good. Man, if you if you want to make it happen, make it happen. Uh, it's not easy, but it's it's fun as hell. Um, there's there's nothing like getting done with your work day and walking ten feet and be like, oh, I'm gonna have a beer right now. Yeah. Right, that's, that's good stuff. Um, so yeah, I mean, if, if if you want to do it, go for it. Yeah. Uh, but you know, just you know, ask a lot of questions. Make sure you're doing it right because yeah. it, it 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 ain't easy. Yeah, and it's just more and more of it. So yeah, I mean, it just. Yeah, you got to do your homework and just, you know hire professionals. Do the things you need them to do. You know, yeah. Like a good accountant, a good lawyer, always good to have. Oh gosh, get an attorney. 
definitely get dirty. dirty. <laughs> hey guys, thank you so much. Oh, uh, thank you, Drew, Andy. I mean, I know you guys are like literally making beer right now, and 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 uh, a brand I, new beer, actually. A, a brand. And what was the brand oh, yeah. new beer again? It's a uh, Dunkel Weizen. Uh, we, uh, we, don't, don't, we don't officially have a name yet for it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. We, that's how we tend to roll here. We'll, we'll usually come up with a name. Uh, sometimes the day we release a beer. Yeah. Uh, another benefit of being you know, self-distributing, we can you know. We can procrastinate a lot, and I'm really good at that. Uh, so, uh, but no, we, we don't officially have a name for it, but it'll, it'll be out in a couple weeks. I'll keep my eyes out. So let's not that. procrastinate on the mead sampling. <laughs> the mead, yes, yeah, yeah I, got, I got to check that out. <laughs> hey, uh, Memphis Made, come to Memphis, look for it, uh, come to the tap room, hang out, especially during uh, with all the festivals we have in Midtown. Yeah. That's right, Cooper, yeah, come and hang out. What's the number again? Seven sixty-eight. Yes. Whoa. Oh. Nice. <laughs> 768 South Cooper. Very cool. Yeah. All right, let's go try some meat. Thanks, let's, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Cheers. Well, I'm thirsty for a, a nice cold craft beer. Craft beer. <laughs> Huge thanks again to Wiseacre, uh, Memphis Made. Old Dominic. Old Dominic, and of course, High Cotton. Um, yeah, the, a, a lot of time went into that episode. But I'd do it all over again. Oh, it was I. There's a little part of me that still wants to do some home brewing. I'll probably get around to it here uh, at some point. Um, what a resolution, you know. And some of you listening might want to jump into this uh, full time. You, you've heard, you've heard about the the delights and the perils. Uh, it, it's like anything else for, of excellence. It takes a lot of hard work. Um, but all these folks are are bearing a lot of fruits, so to speak. And. There are a couple of distill, uh, well, not distillers, excuse me, breweries that we did not get to True. in this episode, uh, and we happen to know of a couple that are about to start. True, right? So, nothing saying that um, we won't have a part two of this. A part two? Yeah. That's not a bad idea. Hope you enjoyed. <laughs>